one button that I'm... I'm very relaxed, as you can tell, I've been stretching. G'day, mate. Uh, mate, it was a, an absolute pleasure to reconnect with you uh, having a brew. And this was something that was kind of, well, I suppose, divine intervention or everything happens for a reason, whatever it is, um, with the current problem going on uh, in Eastern Europe. Now, I don't want to delve too deep into it, but um, you actually grew up uh, in a communist country, did you? Uh, yeah, yes. Um, for a period of time, I was I was born in the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia. Of course, you know that that country doesn't exist anymore. And uh, the reason why it doesn't exist is because of, well, the failure of communism, the failure of an economic system. And then obviously, um, we decided to um, unleash fury on each other. So uh, yeah, I spent um, probably about eight months of that war. Um, in a, well, eight to ten months of that war in a fucking uh, pretty, uh, pretty kind of dire situation. I won't say it's that serious um, as what's currently going on in the Ukraine in some of those cities. But um, I definitely do understand the plight of both of those peoples. And that's why we're doing this, mate. Um, so then maybe you can gain, uh, uh, anyone out there can gain a little bit more of a perspective of what it's like to uh, actually have gone through um, some of this shit that they're actually going through. And I think this is brilliant, mate, because you are a, a, a unemotive, uh, critical thinking, um, almost autistic in, when it comes to this sort of stuff. We were speaking about the other day when the boys were reading stick mags in the lines and, and that you were researching and getting into this. This is something that you're, you know, emotionally attached to and, and involved with. Um, um, but oh, can you just, just to give people a little bit of a... Um, I don't know, the idea that you, you, you spoke to me at the coffee shop the other day, you said the New South Wales analogy. Can you, can you brief that in before we get too far into it? So, I mean, this was an eye-opener for me and, and I thought it was brilliant. All right. Um, can I just go back to your previous, mate? Um, so essentially um, what, what I've been given is, an, uh, I, th I think, an absolute gift. And I think that anybody out there who is a soldier that went through Camp Krusty, that went through Singer, and I can only speak for the dudes who've actually gone through infantry because I don't know what the other corps are like. But um, we've actually been uh, separated subconsciously from feeling. Um, and you might think to yourself, well, how, 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 do we, how do we achieve that? Well, we were pressured into doing things that we did not feel like doing. And then after a certain period of time, all right, now I'm just, I'm talking about from basic training all the way to your shitty handball exercise and your fucking talisman saber, um, all the way up until operations, um, your feelings were absolutely irrelevant in all of that. Who the fuck else felt like waking up in the morning, having 15 minutes to make their bed and fucking go and shave and do all that sort of stuff or being fucked around and sleeping outside? Like, no one. You just did it because you had to. And throughout the space, um, you sort of get disconnected from your feelings. Um, and it's, it's a subconscious thing. You, you, you literally just tell yourself that you don't need it. Um, and... That's why um, critical thinking is, uh, I believe, is so much more important. Um, feelings do have a place. Um, they drive you to the attention of something, whether it's for love purposes, whether you need to fix something around the house, whether you need to work on your car, it doesn't matter what it is, those things piss you off. But then what happens is 
but you start to actually think about those things and how you're going to solve them. Your feelings and emotions have nothing to do with it. Okay, <laughs> I'll finish with that one. And, and it's this critical thinking that um, perhaps we've got into a, a bit of a problem at the moment with COVID and with, with everything that's going on. We, just, we, we, we are getting emotionally attached to things without having a rational perspective on something. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct, man. And we'll, we'll get into the media side of things um, a little bit later if you like. But for now, let's do the New South Wales contrast, all right? Now, um, I've chosen- Yeah, this New was South- brilliant, mate. Yeah, I've chosen New South Wales because it is, um, it is quite ethnically diverse um, and it also uh, has the largest population here in Australia. So the way I want to start off with um, is by explaining to everybody that one, the Ukraine contrast in relation to New South Wales is going to be far spread apart, okay? Um, and number two, I'm going to use the Chinese as, a, as, as, as an antagonist in this one. Why? Because China is actually Australia's boogeyman at the moment, and I believe there's going to be even a bigger boogeyman in the future. So uh, what we're going to do is represent the two peoples in here, okay? So there is the Chinese who live in New South Wales. Let's pretend that there's nobody else that really lives there. So there's Chinese and then there's Australians that live in New South Wales, okay? We all came under the umbrella of the Australian Federation, which is one whole country, all right? We can agree on that one. Now, throughout time, we've been giving the majority of, uh, uh, the minority of these people more and more uh, sort of uh, leeway into governing themselves, right? This is how it is. Um, and, uh, eventually, um, we changed our government system. We became something else. We're, you know, whether it's democracy or it doesn't matter what it is, we became that. And um, through that was more recognition of these peoples and, and the way that they live. Um, so basically autonomy in the way that they live. Okay. Now, um, we're going to continue to fast forward through time. Okay. Because we're not going to hang on the New South Wales thing for, forever. We're going to go. Um, basically, what's happened... Um, is that um, the growing power of the autonomy of that. So if you want to think about it this way, um, our federation absolutely fell apart. So um, because of economic reasons, we fell apart. We couldn't maintain it. And the Australian Federation, along with a bunch of other United Nations uh, nations as well, uh, literally said, yep, you know, New South Wales can become its own autonomous country and then we're going to continue doing that, doing business with that country under a new banner. Let's say it's not called, it's, it's still called New South Wales. It makes no difference whatsoever, okay? Um, and that's what's been happening for a very long time. So between the, the rest of the Australian Federation, so Queensland, Northern Territory, all the, all the states and territories, we've been doing a fantastic job and all that sort of stuff. Um, we've, we've basically created a buffer country between us and China. That's what we've done. Okay, now um, uh, what, what's then happened is um, there was a vote, okay? Should they become more aligned with the Australian Federation or should they become more aligned with China, okay? And then through uh, a vote, it was decided that they were going to be more aligned with China. And the way that they did that was through a coup, okay? So a coup happened in Sydney um, and that coup drove um, the the events that are going to unfold for the next eight years, okay? So we'll talk about 2013, 2014, around about that period, okay? That coup was bloody. Um, 
uh, I don't even know how many people died. Doesn't really matter. All right, this is a hypothetical situation. It's not even real. All right. Um, and then after the autonomy was gained and they decided to go with China, obviously the Australian Federation was not going to be happy with this because that is a step forward in the move for our regional security. We were actually going to be threatened that way. Okay, so I just want to make that clear. Um, at the same time, um, new legislations and new laws were starting to come in. Like, uh, for instance, um, you could no longer teach English at schools, okay? Only Chinese or Mandarin is supposed to get taught at the school, okay? Um, another one came in too, it's just like, well, you, you, your church isn't officially recognized anymore in the country that you're living in currently, all right? Now, to a lot of Australians, that might seem it's not a fucking big deal, whatever, you know? People deserve to democratically live however they want. Yeah, absolutely cool. But the Australians that live within New South Wales are going to be extremely upset about this. And not that they're just going to be extremely upset about it, but they're going to feel like they've just absolutely been rejected for the time that they've been living in, in New South Wales. Just remember that the people that live in New South Wales, the Australians, they've been there for a very fucking long time. All right, this is a hypothetical situation once again. All right, now, because, um, because they weren't happy with the actual situation, the Australian Federation decided, hey, look, these people, there's, there's murderous militia that are absolutely killing our people. Um, you're building a military um, that it continues to push towards our borders. So what are we going to do about it? Well, the Australian Federation decides, okay, fine. If that's what you're going to do, we're going to arm our own people and we're going to, we're going to take you to uh, what, what is basically a civil conflict, all right? Um, and uh, we're going to continue arming those people. So basically now you've got a situation where two sides in the same country are actually fighting each other. And we'll get to how, how that is, all right? The Chinese, the local Chinese people were actually very successful in the offensive and they pushed the Australians all the way back to Canberra, okay? And Canberra was the last safe, we'll call it the, uh, the Canberra People's Republic. How about that? There you go, all right? Um, they actually there pushed them back. Um, to, to there and then they formed a defensive line around it so now these people can't really go anywhere they can't do anything all right the following year after the conflict sort of escalated into the point where a lot of people were getting killed we go to Singapore the Australian Federation and the Chinese broker a deal between the peoples of New South Wales and um, we, we come up with something called the Singapore Agreement okay um, now, the Singapore Agreement literally says that we're going to respect each other's borders and we're going to respect each other's peoples and those peoples will live in, you know, the people of Canberra are going to live in absolute peace and you're not going to continue to push um, all of these Australians back outside of their borders into the Australian uh, Federal Territory, right? And um, basically what's happened since then, since that, those, uh, that, uh, that uh, agreement happened, is that there's been shelling. Kids can't go to school. Um, the military continues to push on. In fact, there's, you know, the Australian Federation has found documents in there that say that they're going to continue to push on. In fact, to go into a bloody full-scale full conflict and offensive to get those people out of those areas because they want it, right? For whatever reason. There could be a lot of coal. There could be a lot of mineral resources. doesn't matter what it is. Sorry, mate. So we're talking ethnic cleansing. 
Well, we're not talking exactly um, sort of ethnic cleansing, but you've got to understand that when we say the word terrorist, you're, you're basically somebody who has taken up arms against the government or against the system, right? So the, 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 the Chinese are calling the Australians that are fighting for, for their lives and their civil liberties and all that sort of stuff, terrorists, which is what uh, we'll get into the Ukraine stuff later on. Okay, so what do you do with terrorists? Do you let them hang around? No, you fight them until they either disappear or they capitulate and then they go, right? That's that's basically what we've been doing for however many years. So no, it's not definitely ethnic cleansing, but a lot of people have died in the last uh, eight years or so. Now, in contrast, okay, with the Australian Federation that used to exist, we used to have an alliance, right? Um, we'll call it the... We'll call it the, uh, the Canberra Alliance, okay, which is just this hypothetical thing. And it used to encompass countries such as, you know, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, Indonesia. Um, it used to have, um, you know, maybe Vietnam, whatever, okay? And we used to have this thing that if you attack one of us, the rest of us are going to also attack you. That's the way that it is. After the collapse of our social and economic system, that completely collapsed in on itself, okay? But Beijing also had a pact that was exactly similar. We'd like China, Russia, we'll go India. I'm just being hypothetical here. This doesn't exist. But, um, and after we fell, after we crumbled, um, we asked them, we said, hey, can you please not move this alliance um, further to our borders? And they basically said, yeah we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll come to some agreement. We won't continue to expand. Now, that was a complete lie. Um, they actually started to expand because of economic and military might. Um, they started coming towards our borders. Our ex-allies have now become their allies and we can no longer sell arms. We can't trade. We can't do anything with these people because they've become allies with Beijing. I'm talking about the countries that were allied with us. So say like New Zealand, um, Papua New Guinea, Indonesia, Vietnam, right? So now they've built this entire belt around us where we can't actually, we, we've come to this, a, a security uh, issue that we can't actually defend ourselves, right? And now the next power grab after that is going to be membership of New South Wales into that alliance okay this causes a strategic security issue for all of australia all right and because our people are getting shelled and killed um, in those regions we have no other we have no other choice now diplomacy's failed sanctions have failed uh, we can't go to the united nations no one fucking gives a shit we're literally just on our own and our response is going to be that that we have to protect our own people. And however we achieve that, we're going to. And that's it. And this is, I, that really opened my eyes when we talked about that analogy and how it's now portrayed. Um, it puts things into perspective because when we put that into the, the current situation, um, you have people... That, that sort of 
they had no idea what was what was sort of happening in Ukraine. Russia was this big bad guy, and you know Russia's invading Ukraine, and we're on the side of the West, so we've got to protect Ukraine, right? Like, I mean, the initial conversations we were talking about private security and and all these Westerners going to Ukraine to fight, and I was and I was like, hang on, we used to crack the shits at the Taliban for putting out. Uh, pamphlets to come and fight us in Afghan and Iraq yeah. when the Chechens would come over and when out-of-area fighters were like, no, you, you're recruiting foreign fighters to come and fight us in Afghan. Yeah. Now we're doing the same thing in Ukraine. Yeah, that's correct, man. Um, at the end of the day, I just I don't have a problem with anybody going over there and fighting for whichever side you want to because of core beliefs or because you actually believe in the war or because it's just something that you want to do because you want to have combat experience. You and I should understand that um, just sitting here talking to each other. Um, that doesn't matter. But I want to put a hypothetical in for you, okay? Let's say that you go over there, you fight for the Ukrainians, the Russians actually win the war, they uh, dissolve the government, your visa now doesn't mean shit, you've joined a mercenary band of dudes and then after that what's going to happen is they're going to interrogate you and you don't speak any Ukrainian, you don't speak any Russian. And then before, if you didn't shit yourself because of the combat, you're definitely going to shit yourself because of some dude who's from the FSB and he's in a fucking suit and he's sitting in front of you and with one strike of pen, you're going to go to the Russian version of Guantanamo Bay. And that is a harsh fucking reality for anybody to swallow, man. Yeah, that is absolutely... Terrifying when you think about we've always we've always had the support of our own country, and they're like, no, if Ukraine capitulates or collapses, that go like exactly what you just said. That government's visas don't mean anything. You're That's just right. on foreign soil. Yep. Uh, and what's Australia going to do? Are they going to then go? I mean, they're not even getting involved in the conflict per se. Are they going to come and get and get you know, Max, old thirty-seven-year-old Max? that's just got his ass hanging out in a Russian prison. They're like, nah, we've got bigger things to do, mate. Like the Russians are pretty pissed at us right now. Yeah, exactly right, man. We shouldn't have pissed them off. That is the absolute truth. But we'll get into that why we shouldn't have pissed them off later. And it will actually um, come to light. And I hope some light bulbs go into people's heads and they're like, oh, wow, okay, I understand now. But the thing that I do want to talk about, mate, is, uh, is ethnic borders. Um, a lot of people in the West just seem to think that uh, just because you draw a bunch of lines on a map somewhere that, you know, automatically those people become part of that country. They become part of that culture. They absolutely love it. All this other shit. It's, that, is a, that is the biggest load of shit. You've got to remember that when we redrew the lines, especially in Europe, especially in Europe, um, after World War I and after World War II, a lot of ethnically aligned people um, actually stayed in, in the position that they were in, which is their homes, and they became a part of another country. Were they actually going to give up their cultural, religious, and linguistic beliefs? No, nah, definitely not. They'd stay on the path of themselves. And that's what we have at the moment in Ukraine. If you have a look at Ukraine, man, and you have a look at it properly, um, the, the Ukrainian-speaking peoples that are majority are actually in the east of the country, in the north, and in the central part. Everywhere else, they speak Russian, especially in Crimea, who the entire population is actually Russian. Like they don't even see themselves as Ukrainians, mate. You know what I mean? So, and this is what a lot of people just don't understand in the West. And that's, that's okay, that's fine. 
but just understand if, you, if you're going to have a multicultural country, you've also got, got to pander to those multicultural people. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, this happened. I mean, you, you can see this as an example in, in other countries. So Pakistan, Indian border, Kashmir, Kashmir, uh, that's a conflict that's continued because we just drew lines on a map. Pakistan, Afghanistan, um, that was the British Empire just drawing imaginary lines. Like you're fighting Pashtuns in Afghanistan in the south who are effectively Pakistan. It, and, and, and this is perpetrated through most countries from 1918 onwards. They, we, they literally, uh, the, the Gentlemen's Club in England redrew countries. That's right, man. They, they did, and everybody just accepted it, and that's just the way that it's going, going to be, except for the people who actually do live in those countries. They don't accept it. They don't give a shit. They, I mean, at the end of the day, you ask a Pashtun person, like, let's say just like a, a villager, I bet you if you go over there, it's like, are oh, you Afghani? They're like, what? It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Pashtun, bro. Like, they don't have a border in between Pakistan. And, and you know what? We can get interactive about this too. If you have a look at the world map, Zoom in on certain regions of the world. I dare you to. Well, actually, I'll ask you to. If you don't want to, that's fine. But have a look at the Caucasus, man, of Russia. That is like supremely divided. Absolutely. All of them come under the Russian Federation. They do that. But it's it, all, the, all the little lines and the dotted lines that you draw, those are all republics that are recognized by a certain people because the majority of those people live there. And they're not like Russians or anything. They might be Chechens. Uh, there might be another, like, there's a part of Armenia. There's also, um, you know, uh, Georgia. There's a part of Georgia where mostly Russians live. We'll get into Georgia a, a, in a minute. There's even a part, um, if you zoom in on Bosnia, if you want to, all right, which is a, a three-party system. Can you believe that? They, they take turns in, in the presidency. Absolutely insane. Um, that you zoom in on Bosnia and you'll see a, a dotted line outside of that and that dotted line is actually the republic of serbs that live there and it's 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 a country within a country mate you know and you know it just because it's on a fucking map somewhere doesn't necessarily mean that it, it hasn't been carved up you know so yeah um that's yeah so these borders that we uh, so can we go through the history of russia and ukraine and why these two countries uh, are so intertwined and why Vladimir Putin, I mean, he wrote that big, his big well, manifesto, memoir, paper yep. on this particular thing. Uh, can you dive into that? Mate, I, I won't go back like centuries, otherwise we're going to be here forever. But essentially, um, I hope that you all know that the capital of Russia used to be Kiev, okay, where, where, where fighting's going on at the moment, um, Kiev and Rus. And the official language that was recognized by the Roman Empire was Ruthenian. That is uh, the Latin word. Did I say that right? That's the Latin word for Russian. Okay. That's how it is. And they also, because of linguistic ties, that's how they um, recognize the people back in the day. Funnily enough, we still do that to this day too. Um, I don't exactly know um, when they changed the capital from Kiev to Moscow, but I want, you, I want to let you know that it was like the Polish and the Lithuanians who, you know, they marched into Kiev and took it. I think it was like in the 16th century or something like that, you know. Um, where do Ukrainians come from with their language? No one can exactly say. I mean, I've done a lot of deep diving into this on the internet and it seems like it's just like a, a, a bunch of people who have invaded in the area, stayed there for economic reasons, and then obviously they form their own language over time. And before you know it, um, you get 
and a, a different language speaking people um, because you know their words start mixing up with other people's words and all that sort of stuff. So Ukrainian is sort of the same as Russian, but it's not exactly identical. That's how you've, when you've seen on social media and, and TV, they're able to communicate with each other. <laughs> it's, it's fucking hilarious, isn't it? Okay. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like, it's just think about when we went to Afghanistan, were we able to communicate with, with fucking, with, with them? Hell no, man. You said a couple of words that they taught you back in Australia and then that was it. Like, we didn't go over to the talk. So um, that's, that, that, that's just how it is. Now, um, I want to fast forward, mate. I, I don't want to leave um, all this other stuff. Let's, let's fast forward to the communist revolution in, in what you call Russia now, okay? And this happened in 1917. Just remember that the Russians joined the war in World War One, And not only were they fighting the Germans and the Austrian Hungarians and whatever other empire wanted to, wanted to go to arms back then, but they also had a massive internal conflict where the, where the communists were actually starting to take up arms against the, 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 Tsar, the, the Tsars, right? the king or the emperor, that's what you want to call it, right? Um, they were taking up arms against them. Um, now, because of, because of reasons such as they didn't want to industrially uh, reform, there was a lot of poverty, people were dying, um, all this other stuff. And, and like, you know, those poor people were watching the Tsars and they were like, wow, look at, look at these people, man. Like they've got a lot of money. They're sitting fucking, you know, they're sitting on gold and I've got absolutely nothing. And I'm working for pittance out in the Russian countryside to, to get them their food that they're going to shovel into their mouths. You know, and this has been happening for about a hundred years. This didn't just happen overnight. The actual communist revolution. Um, so what they end up doing is taking up the red. Uh, the reds ended up taking up arms against the whites. Obviously, um, the reds won in an absolutely bloody fucking conflict that was happening. A lot of Russians died during World War One, and also that. And then um, <clears throat> after uh, Vladimir Lenin uh, came into power, before he died. He actually made a lot of concessions to um, the people of Ukraine, giving them more autonomy, even though that he knew that they were um, idealistically different to whatever whatever they were planning for the Soviet Union. Okay, um, and what they ended up uh, <clears throat> what they ended up doing um, uh, is uh, giving him more rights, even though the Ukrainian people were, were extremely nationalistic, but they just didn't want the problems anymore. They want everything to settle the communist party to be in whatever it is. Okay. Now Vladimir Lenin died and then uh, Stalin came into power. Fun fact, Stalin isn't even Russian. mate. Okay. So, um, let's just dispel that rumor straight away. Um, he is ethnically Georgian. Uh, that's a that's a yeah. country that that's a that's a country that's tied between uh, Turkey, uh, Iran, and Azerbaijan. Okay, so that's that's in the Caucasus of Russia. So he's ethnically a Georgian. He's not even a Russian. So um, after he came into power, yeah, he continued on for the Ukrainian people, and he said, yeah, you know, like we'll um, we'll uh, we'll continue on with this like autonomy thing. But he was a fucking ruthless dictator, mate. So, um, <laughs> and um, basically, yes, you can have your autonomy, but Moscow is going to be calling the shots. You don't like it, that's too bad. And in fact, just to continue on with the lie that the Soviet Union was a great empire and everybody else would fucking join it, which I don't believe in, um, they actually uh, took a lot of um, uh, the resources, that's wheat, 
um, from, from the Ukrainians to feed the rest of the Soviet Union and to send to the West just so they can show them how, how good communism is and how everybody else. This caused an absolute famine for the Ukrainian people, man. Millions of people died of fucking starvation, all right? That would leave a sour taste in anybody's mouth of anyone's fucking culture, all right? That's why they've got a big hard-on for, for, for Russians um, because of that reason. Because they were obviously they were the main power in the Soviet Union, right? Okay. Um, let's continue. And Stalin on. wasn't even Russian. That's correct. Well, you know, he, people call him that. He's not. He's Georgian. Um, yeah. So, um, so I mean, are they? They we're talking about the, when we talk about the whites and the reds, and that conflict. Um, we're talking about the the royal family or the imperials, the Russian imperial family, yeah. the czars. Yeah. versus the masses and the ethnic minorities. Is that, or am I misreading that? Yeah, that's correct. So you're, it, it is, um, it, it is a minority and uh, it is, le communism was left to stinking man, the same way as what national socialism is in Germany. Like you'll be funny to know that um, Germany during World War II and before that wasn't actually fascist. They were national socialist. You can read up on that. You can fact check me. That's completely fine. Um, but yeah, um, basically what it that's, ended up That's happening. what Nazis, that's the Nazi party, isn't it? National Socialist Party. Yes, that's right. Um, but uh, the, <laughs> um, you had, <laughs> you know, you, you, had these, you had these band of peasants um, who were absolutely sick of uh, the, the conditions that they were living in and watching their children fucking starve and all that sort of shit, which is fair enough. Um, they took on the Marxist idea of, of communism and they thought that they were going to be living in an absolute utopia. Um, unfortunately, the latter they found out that they weren't. Um, so they, um, Yuri Bezmenov called such people um, as useful idiots. Um, if you listen to his, um, <clears throat> if you listen to his lecture on YouTube, I think that you're going to find that a lot of the stuff that's going on right now has been sort of planted there from from a very long time ago. Um, yeah, so. Um, Obviously, um, the Tsars couldn't put up the uprising. Um, they couldn't defend against it. And then, obviously, they were, they were killed. The entire royal family was actually killed by the, by the communists. Was, it, was that the famous photograph, was it, where you see the, the – and then they sort of dropped the camera and they just machine gunned the whole – it was a whole royal family. Like, it was, it's, it's the last photo of the Tsars. The whole family's there and they sort of dropped the curtain and it was a Vickers machine gun in the back of a, a truck just mass, shot a lot of them. Was that – I haven't, I, I, haven't, I haven't heard about this. This is the first time I'm hearing about it. Um, my understanding is that they were kept in a basement um, without knowing what it was actually going to happen to them. The communists didn't know exactly what to do with them, whether they were going to send them in exile. And then finally it came from um, the Reds that the, the family was going to be executed, which is fucking tragic, man. At the end of the day, they could have you know, just sent them somewhere else. Right, so... Um Sorry, mate. I took you off track That's to right. where we were currently up. Yep, mate. This is this is mind blowing, dude. Like I, I'm just. I hope people can. The, people will be stopping their cars while they're listening to this, going shut the front <laughs> oh, door. Like hope. this is phenomenal, man. This is, well, it's a different perspective. It's absolutely uh, eye opening, and and uh, it's not propaganda. It's facts, and, yeah, and it's brilliant correct. to hear, mate. So I'll I'll stop dragging you off off track, mate. Yep. Um, all right. Um, yeah. So um, 
there is there is a couple of things that we need to talk about whilst we're still in the, the absolute history um, of Ukraine. Um, so what I was getting to, to was um, Nikita Khrushchev actually gave him even more autonomy. Now Nikita Khrushchev was the guy who took over after Stalin, okay, after Stalin's death. Um, gave him more autonomy, gave him uh, more freedom to run their own government. And everybody was like, yeah, that's fantastic. That, that, that's absolutely amazing. Um, but we'll, we'll, take a, uh, we'll take a little bit of a step back and we'll go back to World War II. Now, I want you to remember two things here. The Russian president came out, this, this is right now, okay? Putin said, he goes, they want to demilitarize their current objectives. They want to demilitarize Ukraine and they also want to denazify it, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, we'll, we'll go right, into- and this is And this is the thing that everybody... Everybody's laughing about, right? So everyone's going, ha-ha, they're just throwing away the Nazi line because they're trying to create Ukraine as the enemy. But Ukraine, which side do they fight on in World War II? Well, mate, that's, that's really interesting. Um, because they wanted their own country or wanted more autonomy, they actually took on um, the Nazi regime. And the way that they did that was through a man named Stepan Bandera. Um, he was actually the leader of the organization of Ukrainian nationals, okay? Now, um, some of these guys joined the SS um, and some of them went into the Einsatzgruppen. If you had, don't know what that is, that means mobile units, or I think it means mobile units in German. You can still watch it on Netflix. It's a fantastic fucking documentary. I think it goes for five parts or something. It was small and it was really, really good and informative. Now, let's go back to the SS. Here's another rumor that I want to fucking dispel right here and right now. What do you think when you think SS? So what I initially thought was Aryan, white, German uh, guys. Like, yep, just going around a crack unit and, and going around and just doing the dishes, mate. Yeah, okay. Um, the absolute truth is that they were the most multicultural unit in all of the allies and all of the Axis powers. Um, they had people from Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, they had Ukrainians in there, they had uh, Russians who were against the Tsars, they had uh, Poles, they had Vichy French, they had everyone in the SS. And um, you, don't, you don't believe me, that's fair enough, look it up yourself. Um, and um, what essentially they did was um, they started a camp, and uh, we'll bring it back to the Ukrainians, um, the, under Stepan Bandera and the OUN, they actually started a um, a campaign of absolute terror, mate. Like these people were like, if, if they called people a communist, they were getting killed at the end of the day. That's, that's what it is, okay? Um, and they also took part in the killing of, of um, the Jewish peoples, the Eastern Jewish peoples or the Eskenazi Jews, I hope I said that right as well, um, of, of Eastern Europe, okay? There's that famous photo of that soldier um, killing that, uh, with, the, with his rifle up, killing that woman and she's holding her child and she's got his back towards him, okay? You, that's, that's the stuff that you need to research, you need to know about this. Okay, because every single thing through history has all led us to one point and we can't escape it. Um, so um, Stepan Bandera was uh, eventually uh, replaced. He was actually taken to a concentration camp by the Germans um, because he was, he, he was basically self-serving. He wanted Ukrainians uh, for Ukraine and he also allowed like Jewish doctors and stuff like that to serve within the ranks. Now, that was criminal under the old Nazi regime. You weren't allowed to have that. So they basically removed him from power, took him to a concentration camp, and then only released him 
after the Red Army started to like, obviously we're in well full swing of the advance um, back towards Germany uh, after they changed the title of the war. Um, and uh, they released him for the purposes of destroying Russian armor and working behind the lines. Does this sound familiar to you? So basically the Germans absolutely funded this guy and his, and his band of cronies um, to, to take out uh, Russian tanks or the Soviet Union's, I can't say Russian, um, the Soviet Union's tanks and to kill their uh, supply lines and their people. That's, that's what they were utilized for until they finally went, nah, fuck this. There's no point in fighting anymore. And they turned on the Wehrmacht themselves. So um, that's where you get, um, when, when Vladdy talks about, when Vladdy Daddy talks about um, uh, denazification, He's probably just trying to rally the people, the Russian people against it, because they all have it in their memories of what, what happened back then, especially the people that live in that area. But it's just all reprisals, mate. So, you know, the Ukrainians reprised against the, the, the Soviets because of what happened during Golodomor or Holodomor, however you want to say it. That was the starvation of Ukrainians and shit like that. And this has continued on for, for periods of time. This hasn't stopped. So, um, yeah, that's, that's where that Nazification stuff comes from. And I think that they're, um, you, know, they're, you know, with every single country, there is always a nationalistic movement with inside it. You know, we've got it here in Australia, you know, the 60 minute special or whatever it was that, that showed those dudes down in Melbourne. There's, there's you know, there, there's guys in Poland that are absolutely right wing and all that sort of stuff. And um, I think that um, the reason why he says, and, and these people are, you know, the ones in Ukraine, I think they're ultra-nationalists. I don't think they're Nazis. I just think they're ultra-nationalist men who just, you know, get together and malicious and go and go fight, you know. So that's what that's what Vladdy Daddy means by that. Just trying to galvanize uh, a country towards something. Is um, So we spoke about sort of ethnic Ukrainians, um, Central, North, and East, yeah. and we spoke about sort of where they where they are around, and same with ethnic Russians, um, East, South, and Southeast, and Crimea. So we, you, you did mention that um, Crimea is effectively Russia. Correct. That's right. Ninety five percent Russian of the population speaking is actually Russian, like the Russian people that live there. Now, um, after um, after the fall of the Soviet Union um, uh, in 1989, in 1991, um, Ukraine was, was recognized by, uh, as a sovereign country. It was actually a communist gift. So the communists have actually been giving these, uh, these nationalists um, their country over a period of time. But when the Soviet Union ended, um, they took all the nukes out of, out of Ukraine, um, they denuclearized it, and then uh, they gave them their autonomy in return. So everybody was happy. Everyone, there was like rainbows and lollipops and shit like that for every cunt. Um, but um, with, uh, with regards to um, the, the, the peoples of Crimea, um, now I've got to let you know, mate, that there was no invasion in Crimea, okay? That was a fucking fabrication by Western media. That was a lie. Um, first of all, the... <laughs> The Ukrainians had a leasing agreement with the Russian military and their government uh, so then they can maintain their Black Sea fleet, which, you know, Russia needs. They need it. They got one in the Baltic, one in the Pacific, one in the Arctic, and then one in the Black Sea. That's what they have. There's no, there's no Atlantic power for, for Russia. There's none. Um, so those, those Russian troops, those little green men that we, we saw back in the day, um, they, they've been there the whole time. 
because um, they they literally owned parts of the bases. But they, they actually had a joint security agreement with the Ukrainians. Um, when they decided to seize Ukraine because they wanted a democratic, and I'll say that again, they wanted a democratic referendum to see which way that they that the Russians wanted to go, whether they wanted to go back to Russia or they wanted to go to Ukraine in the West. Okay. Now, more troops did come. That is the absolute truth. That, that one there is the absolute truth. But nobody got killed, mate. That's what we have to remember, that nobody got killed in that referendum. They literally just held the place hostage until that referendum happened. And if the Russians voted against the other side, then that's something that um, Russia and the Russian administration had to absolutely understand, um, that they, would, they didn't want to be part of Russia anymore. But they did. So 95%... I think it was a majority. It was like a sweeping vote. There wasn't. There was. There shouldn't have even been a vote at the end of the day. It, it, it just is what it is. So um, Russia, uh, sorry, Crimea became part of Russia again, and um, those people were issued with Russian passports. Done. Nothing. <laughs> so what's the? I, I, <laughs> So that's absolute democracy, isn't it? Like that, a referendum where everybody gets to vote on what they want to do. And we were happy with that. Well, let, let's talk. Well, that, that's right, mate. We should, anywhere in the world where there is democracy, I think on, on any sort of social kind of stance that we're going to be taking, whether it's going to be a lockdown for the entire nation or it's going to be some kind of social construct that's going to affect every single person, I think that the entire nation should go to a vote, Right. Because yeah, yep. because democracy panders to the majority. And I'll say that again, democracy panders to the majority. When the Greeks invented that, uh, when the Greeks invented democracy, they didn't, they didn't pander to the minority or anything like that. They just said, no, we're going to have a vote. This is the way that's going to be. Representative council in the Senate and then off we go. This is how it is, you know. Um, we should be able to vote for absolutely everything. And, um, you know, if it was a piece of... And in Crimea, if it was a peaceful resolution, yeah, all right. They, they, they held the Ukrainians hostage in there because they didn't want blood being spilt in Crimea and for the international community to condemn them. That's why they sent in their military until the referendum was over. <laughs> Mate, this is, uh, this is getting sort of – now we're sort of getting into it and, and I hope people are starting to draw the correlation now between the New South Wales analogy and what is now currently happening uh, in there. Can we just talk about um, the the West's response? So Vladimir Putin jumped on and he had a, he's got a pretty famous speech um, and he sort of jumped on and he said, look, I've continually asked you to stop expanding and you've had five, NATO's expanded in five major waves. Um, Whose fault is this? Is, is is this just Vlad's getting a bit old and he wants to have a big nudge and go in the history books, as the West say, like he's just power-hungry dictator? Well, let's, let's, is let, this let, a sorry. Russian first book? Is this a, a Russian – like is this a first let's, – let's take countries out of this. This is a first world president that his, his, does, he doesn't, doesn't want to go to war. He's made – speeches and concessions and everything. Is this just him on, on his last straw? Um, essentially, 
Yeah, man. Um, um, yeah. Well, the Russian response has always been a violent one. That's how it's always been throughout history. But they've always just protected the integrity of their territorial borders, apart from like Finland and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that was a huge mistake. And that was by the Soviets. That wasn't really the Russians, man. Um, but um, what we're getting, the rhetoric on the media that we're getting at the moment is that, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin is the next Hitler. Um, look, I don't agree with the guys in, in a lot of in some of his policies that he's done and everything like that. And I've researched into his career and everything. Um, but um, they're, they're saying he's the next Adolf Hitler. And I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Um, have you have you even delved into who um, Adolf Hitler is? Like, have you read his book? This dude wrote, wrote a book in 1934 that was published to all of the German people. And I'm going to tell you, Max, after reading it and dismissing the critical race theory shit that's inside it, I'm going to say that everything in that book was for the best intentions of someone. Okay. Um, now, I read this book in 2008, um, not because I, I, I like the ideology. I fucking hate it. But... Um, I, wanna, I, I wanted to find out who this dude was. He was one of the most prominent members of the 20th century or people of the 20th century. I want to I see how he did it. What made his mind tick? Like, where did all this come from? He basically told in his book yeah, everything. I, I, he's always been an in, yeah, he's always been an interesting character for me, not for the race theory stuff, uh, not for the, the extermination of the Jews, but how he took a country on its knees after losing a world war. Yep. And spinning it around twenty years later to becoming a superpower, like his, his speeches, his oratory, his like how he did this, and and that's the the interesting side for me. None of the race stuff, but yeah, yeah absolutely, mate. Yeah, uh, well, the, you know, there is a comparison between the two that they did the same thing economically. You got to remember, after the fall of the Soviet Union, Russia was in absolute tatters, man. You saw those bread lines. You fucking still see it on like TV when they bring it up and everything like that. Their economy was shitters. Um, Western nations came in with their corporate sponsors and all that sort of stuff, bought up absolutely fucking everything. Basically, Boris Yeltsin prostituted the entire country to the West. That's that's what happened. Cheap industry, all this other stuff. And then when Vladi, Vladimir Putin took over, um, he actually brought them back up from the brink by privatizing companies within Russia, telling the oligarchs to get fucked, otherwise they're going to die. Um, um, and and um, yeah. putting huge reforms uh, to move towards a, a democracy, man, um, to, to, to move towards a free elected government and all this other stuff, something that, you know, it didn't happen in, in uh during the time of the Soviet Union. So I don't see the contrast. I don't, even, I don't see the similarities between Vladimir Putin and, and Adolf Hitler. These were two completely separate people. Even though the Vladimir Putin is probably a 19th century guy, um, he's not, I don't, I don't think that he's exactly the same. And what most of the Western media is showing at the moment um, is like Vladimir Putin woke up in the morning with this giant fucking army, called up the, his defense uh, minister, or, uh, uh, Shogu, and then he called Lavrov and they're like, hey, dude, do you want to go take Ukraine today? It's like, oh, no, I was going to hang out with my family, mate. But like, that sounds like it was a lot better. Like, that's not, that's, that is, that's absolutely ridiculous, man. Um, I think, I, I think, mate, um, what you're, uh, and, you know, this, I just want to get into it for a little bit. Um, this has been an absolute disaster for Russia. I'm going to say that. This is the last thing I believe that Vladimir Putin wanted. Because you've got to kind of think about it. For eight years now, he's watched, um, you know, um, the West not giving a shit about what they've been saying. 
continue to expand towards their, you know, towards their borders, funding a Ukrainian military to kill the, kill Russian people that are still living in the Ukraine. And now they're coming closer and closer to Russian borders with their military. It's like, what, what the fuck would we do? Let's put ourselves in those shoes, man. Like, what, what, what would we do? We're not going to just sit back and watch our people get killed, are we? We have a fucking right. We have a right to protect our people. We're going to go in there and do this. And it's, it's been a disaster. He, he could have done this for the last eight years. You know, why choose now? Do you know what I mean? Has it come to the absolute brink where, you know, there's no other choice but to do this? Um, and we'll get into that, man, um, with with uh, Maidan and all that sort of stuff. But um, once we start getting into this, I, I want to ask the question, and this is something that you can do reflectively um, at home or if you're listening or whatever. The question that I want to ask is, are we the ones that are responsible for the Ukrainian conflict? And when I say we, I'm going to continue on with this Cold War rhetoric that we have at the moment in the media where it's West versus East. And I'm going to say that. Um, when I say we, I don't mean Australia by itself. When I say we, I mean the global, uh, the global economic and military hegemon. That's what I mean. Uh, you would have to say so. Um, NATO, the Warsaw Pact. Yep. What it's utility. I, I agree. The UN seems like a cool thing if they weren't so bureaucratic and slow to do anything like. In its, in its, I mean, I, I suppose communism seems like a good idea on paper. Uh, the UN seems like a kind of a good idea. Um, do we execute it well? Fucking terribly. Um, do we need NATO if there's no more war? So, like, if there's no more USSR, do we need do we need NATO? NATO was and why do we need to keep pushing towards the borders? All right. So, so NATO was uh, NATO was formed. I think it was 1946 or seven. I'm not too sure. I think ten years later, the Warsaw Pact was formed. But essentially, it was an alliance um, that sent that center of gravity was uh, Article Five. I don't even know if people know what that is. But essentially, it's uh, you attack one of us, you're going to attack all of us. And the, the only purpose for NATO to exist back then was to contain the Soviet Union. That was it. And if people today go, but Ukraine can't fucking join NATO. Um, because it's a contested country, well, that's a load of shit too. Because West Germany joined NATO um, straight after World War II, um, so that was a contested country. Remember, East and West. Um, so th that that did actually happen. All right. Now, um, when the fall of the Soviet Union happened, I mean, like they they expanded. They they kept a couple of countries in line, like Italy, and like they they they, they had a few more in there. Um, but when the when the Soviet Union collapsed. Um, and the Berlin Wall fell, um, they asked the question, the Russians said, hey, look, are you going to keep this military alliance? And they said, well, you know, we're going to keep it just in case, you know, because it's going to be a mediator for good and whatever else. But, um, but we're, we're going to promise you not to expand any further east. Everybody was like, yep. Not that the Russians could do anything about it because after the fall of the Soviet Union, they were economically and militarily fucked. Um, but um, yeah, they, they said to them, no, we're not going to expand. Um, and then what ended up happening, um, <laughs> you know, uh, we have a look at nine, uh, we'll have a look at before that. All right. So NATO's first sinking of teeth into conflict. Now, just remember, there wasn't one before this was during, funnily enough, in the war that I came from. Um, That's the reason why I live in Australia these days, because of um, economic and social security. Um, and um, they actually bombed uh, positions 
um, between the three sides, so the, 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 the Croatian, the Serb, and also the Bosnian Muslim, they ended up bombing. And it was basically like they were just trying to change the tide of the war or protect someone. Or there was, it was never there. But it started to give NATO a reason to exist because if there's no Soviet Union, why the fuck do we have this alliance? What's the point of it? Now, if you're asking Sasha, the diplomat, right? If you're asking me, I would have dissolved NATO 100% and formed a European army to encompass Russia. All right? That is a fucking powerful army right there or a powerful military defense force, whatever you want to call it. Um, that, that's what I would have done because it would have helped us in our containment of China. Um, so, well, um, um, didn't didn't Vladimir Putin ask to join NATO in the early like early nineties? I'm pretty. He got rejected from joining NATO. Russia, he said, right, can we? I think he put his things to bed and he asked to join NATO. And NATO went, nah, you're not doing it. He's like, right, well, if you're not for me, you're against me, can't? He doesn't. He doesn't reveal. Um, you can listen to the speech before the in, in the special operation or the invasion or the war, whichever side you stand on in Ukraine. Um, he actually talks about it. He spoke to Bill Clinton about Russia joining NATO. And he said, I'm not going to reveal the full extent of that conversation, but it was not very good. And that's, that's how it was, man. Um, that, that's, that's, that's how it is. So um, whether, whether they decided, no, Russia is not going to join NATO, we don't need you, or we're just going to take you over one day either way, it doesn't matter. But um, he does talk about it. Um, um, but the thing we have to remember with, uh, with, with regard to um, NATO ex expansion is that um, in, in 1999, um, and you're going to say to me, well, you're just biased in your opinion, and that's completely fine, okay? In 1999, um, the West decided to uh, recognize um, the breakaway Republic of Kosovo, okay? And this is, this is in Serbia. Um, and how did they do that? Well, they backed the Kosovo Liberation Army. They gave them funding, arms, training, all that sort of stuff, which was recognized as a terrorist organization by the international community. Um, and then uh, to effectively have that nation be born, they bombed the fucking living shit out of Serbia, okay, who was basically defenseless against such a large fucking power. In the same year, they took on, I think it was Hungary, uh, Poland, Czech Republic, um, it, 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 they invoked them into, into NATO, all right? So we can see now the Eastern expansion of NATO is a direct strategic threat to, to the Russians, all right? Um, and then in 2004, um, they, they uh, put in the other Baltic, oh, the, the Baltic states, shall I say? So uh, it was uh, Estonia, Lithuania, um, Latvia, um, and Romania and Bulgaria. Now, the... You have to remember that with those Baltic states that, that joined NATO at that point in time, that is a direct threat to the Russian Baltic fleet, which they maintain out of Kaliningrad. Now, that's a small enclave between, I think it was Lithuania and Poland, that is Russian. Like, that's, that's Russian territory, man. Like, that's their country. It's not even joined to the mainland of Russia. Um, and in that, they, they contain the Baltic Yeah, Baltic I think I've seen that. It's that little, yeah, it's that little speck. Just up that the northeast of, yeah. of I suppose Russia or north northwestern Europe, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a northeastern, mate. Um, it's actually northeastern Europe. Um, yeah, that little speck of of I was like I I always saw that I was like ah oh, what the fuck's going on there? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if if NATO cuts them off from that, well, they've just lost their Baltic fleet. The same the same situation as Crimea. So, um, if anything, if the Russians do continue, which a lot of people are saying that they will, and you know, there's all this fear mongering in the in the media and everything like that, I don't think that they're going to gun for Poland or any shit like that because they don't care. Um, they'll they'll probably try and undermine those countries because they really need that strategic um, naval uh, naval base that that's over there. Um, but um, yeah, but uh, you just think about it. Let's just put ourselves into like the the the, the um, whatever whatever party Vladimir Putin's in, and we've got to have a look at it. Um, so we we've watched NATO continually expand um, towards our borders, and the only reason why NATO exists is to contain the Soviet Union, now Russia, and now they're about to. Not only do they have, um, you know, uh, a, a number of countries that are already on their border that are NATO countries. Now, another one is about to join, which will be disastrous for the people that are inside it. Mate, I personally believe strategically, Ukraine doesn't mean fucking jack shit to us. And when I say us, I mean the West. Who does it mean anything to? The Russians. They do. Strategically, it means something. There's pipelines in there that are going to Europe fucking securing their energy sectors. That's the way that they make money. There's a lot involved here. A lot of their people still live there. So... Um, it's definitely a, a strategic asset for, for Vladimir Putin, for the Russian people. For And, and you could just imagine it, man. Um, once, once a country joins NATO, uh, Russia can't sell them their arms anymore. They won't take it. Um, apart from the Turks who bought the S-400 missile system, and NATO was really pissed off about that, like really angry. Um, um, you, can't, you, you can't manufacture the same type of weapons. You, there's... There's, there's a lot that you can't, you know, uh, engage in any type of hostilities, um, you know, without that, without those countries fucking bordering you, um, absolutely chucking a massive shit, you know, like that type of thing. Now, you just think about it. If Ukraine went into NATO, then they move all NATO weapons, all of this fucking other shit so close to Russia. And we're talking about, you know, like a ballistic, medium range ballistic missile will reach Moscow in like four fucking minutes, you know, um, the Russians can't have that, and we wouldn't accept that. I fucking hope that we would not accept that. Remember New South Wales? Um, well, remember the shitstorm? Can you remember the shitstorm that happened when Korea started launching um, their testing their ICBMs and, and the media started putting all the circles of range on these ICBMs for the, yeah. from, from North Korea's missile testing and are like, yeah. they can hit Australia, and the fucking shitstorm that erupted from that, mate. Yeah. And and that was a couple of hours flight, and we've got American radars and some other stuff that can prevent. Russia's like four minutes, mate. Like the yeah. dude's got to wake up. Ridiculous. Yeah, you can't even put your fucking boots on in time, man. You're just you're just gone. And with the with the introduction of uh, low low yield medium uh, range nuclear missiles, that can be the, the yield can be changed fucking electronically, man. So. You can make this thing as low explosion or as high as explosion as you fucking want. Simple as that, all right? They don't want that. The Russians and the Chinese don't want that, okay? Simple as. Um, and we wouldn't want it either. That's why I understand. It's the understanding. Um, uh, where was I? Okay, let's move into Georgia, okay? This is really important because of the Russian response. So in 2008, um, in Bucharest, uh, uh, I think that's in Hungary, yeah, geography, please. Yeah, somewhere around. I think it's. I think it is. Um, NATO had a massive meeting, right? And they literally told the world that they were going to bring Georgia 
and Ukraine into NATO. That is fucking undeniable fact. You can read it up yourself. Everything that I've said here today, you can read up on. Um, and this is a red line. Um, I think uh, Vladimir Putin and his administration saw which way that this was going. They just continue to creep onto the borders. They're not stopping. We need to do something about this. And if we don't do something about it, well, we might as well just throw up our arms right now and just go, fuck it. Why don't you just march more Washington into Moscow and we'll be done with it. Um, now, um, I don't know if you remember, man, but in August of that year, um, Georgia, with the backing of the other NATO allies, thought that they were absolutely invincible. They shelled and attacked South Ossetia, okay? Um, now, South Ossetia is a Russian enclave. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of Russians that actually live there. So they end up shelling it and then they end up sending their military in. This was fucking like, this was, nah, you're not doing this. Russia sent in um, their forces, absolutely mopped the floor with the Georgians. Who came to their aid? Absolutely fucking no one. Ukraine should have learned exactly the same thing, all right? Um, the war lasted for five days. A lot of civilian casualties happened. A lot of military casualties happened. And the Georgians are in deep shit because of it to this day. Now, um, NATO can't expand into those areas because I want to remind everybody and you, look, anybody that wants to listen to this, that the Caucasus is where Russia gets its oil from, okay? Having a NATO country that close to its oil cuts off their supply lines to their military, cuts off their supply lines to their public, cuts off their supply lines for the energy sector, okay? And they can't have it. And basically, um, the so Russian- just Sorry, for, for my, poor my poor geography, yep. uh, the Caucasus, Georgia, are we talking the Georgian conflict with Georgia near the Caucasus, right? Or Ukraine and Georgia? Uh, no, so the, the Georgia is in the Caucasus. Um, that's that's right, Roger. Yeah, yeah mate. We, we, yeah, <laughs> um, it's in the it's in the European side of Russia. Okay, if that makes any sense. Okay, yep. so yes, Russia is in Europe. You, you, it spans across three continents, uh, not continents. Yes, continents. And this is the next thing that that this was a an interesting thing. Um, I mean, we can touch on it later. You've probably got it in there. Um, World War Two when when. The, we, we spoke about Stalingrad and yeah. Stalin was like not one more step back. I thought because I think Russia's this enormous continent, like a third of the country's landmass, like the world's landmass. And I was like, Russia's like the Germans, how the fuck were they going to take that in, you know, like that's a massive amount. And you said, well, no, mate, after that sort of line, there is nothing. There is blizzards and wasteland and nothing, mate. Yeah. So after the what you what you're saying is there um, after uh, after the Volga, which is the river, and then beyond that is like um, something called the Urals, uh, the Ural Mountains, and then you get into southern, you get into Kazakhstan, and then in the north is fucking Siberia, man. These are uninhabitable lands. The most remote people on the some of the most remote people on the planet fucking live there. There's no roads. There's nothing. These people have to be fucking helicoptered out. And some of them are like moose farmers and shit. You can watch it. You can watch a documentary about it. It's absolutely amazing, mate. Um, how diverse some of, some of these places are. Um, now Stalin said not one step backward because there's nothing beyond the fucking Urals, man. There's nothing. If if they would have taken Stalingrad, they would have taken Moscow. It all would have been over after. Germany would have won. That would have been the end of it, man. No more reinforcements. No more fucking anything, right? Um, essentially. Um, let's dispel another rumor whilst we're here too. Um, the weather, 
All right. Now, for some reason, everybody in their fucking heads has got the like, yeah, it was the weather that defeated the Germans. What? Like any anyone who's been in the military and been a commander knows that fucking weather effects are to be taken into consideration, but it's not how you win a fucking battle or a war. That's not what we do. Task verbs are not hopefully or with any luck or we don't say that. We, we're fucking decisive in the shit that we do. Right? The weather will. Yeah, yeah the, weather, <laughs> the, the weather will. Like that, that's an absolute load of shit. Um, the, Germans, the Germans were essentially held at bay because of a 2,700 kilometer front, which spanned from Leningrad all the way down into the Caucasus, mate. All right. Now it is fucking almost like, I don't even know how they did it like the grand scale of this, to resupply a front line that's that fucking big. That is huge. That's like, that's the distance from Townsville to Melbourne almost, you know. Um, it's, it's absolutely massive. And they, they had to, like the Russians or the, the, the Soviets were defending against this and, and the Germans were attacking. Now, in Stalingrad, something very interesting happened. They, they split an army group in, in something called Operation Foul Blau um, or Operation Blue. Um, I think it was Army Group B that's or Army Group A. I can't remember who it was out of Stalingrad that split and then actually went south towards the Russian oil fields or southeast towards the Russian oil fields in the Caucasus. Um, and the reason for that is because Germany was running out of oil. Okay, so they were losing the war because they were starting to run out of fucking resources and their logistics system is almost fucking collapsing. Okay, so. Um, um, when they split the forces, um, the guys went down south, were met with fucking heavy resistance from like other fighters, like other fighters joined them and shit like that. Like there, there was people out of the Caucasus who fucking hated the Soviet Union. So they joined them, but then other people fought as well. And the Germans got fucking decimated, mate. They actually ran, started to run out of fucking fuel for their vehicles. Does this sound familiar to you? They started to run out of fuel for their cars. They started to run out of ammunition, all sorts of shit. So they had to fucking... Because they split the 4th Panzer Division, the, the part that went down south had to come back to Stalingrad to fight because the Russians got on the offensive in January 1942, okay? So basically they were on the defensive for about eight months or so and then after that they went on the offensive. And when they went on the offensive, they never went on the defensive again. Not the Russians, the Soviets, should I say. Yeah. Um, so... Um, yeah, I think people... that's a good distinguishing point when we talk about this. That's a brilliant distinguishing. It's it's the Soviet Union versus the Russian people, right? Yeah. Um, same again with the Liberal Party versus your... So it's just because a political head makes a decision doesn't mean that it's it's either backed up or perpetrated through society by that by the society themselves, right? Yeah, that's so, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, man. You, you, were you going to call everybody a Nazi in Germany? Fuck no. Were you going to call everybody a communist in, in you know, um, in in Soviet in the Soviet Union? Are you going to call everybody a liberal in Australia or, or a Labour supporter? Like, fuck no. You're not going to do any of that shit. Like, we don't belong to any of that stuff, man. We're just people, like, at the end of the day. We just rock and roll with our lives. So you can't generalize them. The same thing as with the Chinese and the co Chinese communist party are they all fucking are they all communists no man. <laughs> fuck no they're not all communists you know you can't you can't generalize a people like that you just got to ask them and see what they think about the situation and things and, and then, then they'll fucking tell you all right um but yeah i hope that 
you know, we're getting too far into the to the history of the Soviet Union, but I do, I do, I just wanted to dispel those rumors because there's a lot of shit, especially that movie Enemy at the Gates. Like, what in the fuck's name was that? Like, one person grabs the rifle, the other one follows, grabs the ammunition. This never fucking happened. The the, the Soviet Union had enough arms to f- fucking everyone. Okay, they had enough ammunition for everyone because, funnily enough, they packed all of their uh, factories that were making all of this shit. When the when the invasion by the by the Germans started, and they fucking shipped them all way out into the fucking cold, so then they could still continue all of this. Now, whilst we're here, I wanted to spell another one too. Okay, Vasily Zaitsev in that movie came to Stalingrad in the wave of the fifty. I think it was the fifty third Guards Division. That's what they were called. Okay. Um, all right. He wasn't, he wasn't part of that, all right? In fact, Vasily Zaitsev was a fucking trained sniper who came into the city after that event that you saw in that movie, okay? I just want to let everybody know that. That was a load of shit. Um, that's just Hollywood, man. Um, that's a lie. This is what, I mean, um, I th- and, I, and I think we, as, as much um, as we'd like to, you know, talk about particular events, I think unless you've been to conflict zones and saw the people there, the, and I'm saying the media, and, and I know this sounds f- ridiculous and conspiracy theory. See, I've, I've even discredited myself by even mentioning that word, but the people don't care about the fighting that's happening. Like you rocked up into Afghan or you rocked into Iraq and they're like, yeah, man, we don't hate Australians. I'm like, yeah, we don't hate Iraqis. Um, but we've been we, we get led to believe that. And the same, I mean, it used to be more controllable back in the day before social media. Governments could galvanize a whole population with a couple of posters and, and, and four or five newspapers. And they could create an enemy of that particular group. Um, and it's not until you go over there and you're like, oh, these guys aren't bad guys. This is <laughs> dirt farmers trying to eke out a living, getting paid 50 bucks by the Taliban to have a pot shot at an Australian patrol. Yeah. And then we go through and murder everybody in the, in the compound. <laughs> okay, like right they're li- Do you know what I mean? Like they, they, yeah. they literally, these are, these are civilians of, of, the, of the world that don't give a shit either way until you're thrust into this particular environment. Yeah. Exactly right, man. And everybody's going to fight for their own country. I hope when the time comes that we're going to do it here, that everybody's going to jump on board and fucking do it then too. Um, that's that's very important for our people. We need to, we need to become stronger, like in that aspect. Um, look, whilst whilst you're on that fact, man, um, uh, with media, right? Um, how do we promote democracy? Um, let's 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 think about the last thirty or so years. How was that democracy promoted? Oh, mate, I don't know. It's like a two-party preferred. Really, it's not really. It's like better the devil you know than the devil you don't. I mean, this is like NLP 101, right? So you ask your missus, I think I brought this up before on the podcast. Um, you ask your missus on the weekend, hey, babe, do you want to go and catch up with the boys or do you want to go and watch this bloody war movie at the cinemas? You present two options. She doesn't want to do either one, but she's got to pick one of them, right? Or well, she doesn't have to, but she's she's more inclined to pick. She's like, oh, well, I'll catch up. I'm going to go and watch a war movie with you at the cinemas. You're like, cool. Well, you didn't really have an option there. Yeah. Um, I presented you what you think is two options. Uh, either way, I get what I want. Okay. And that's what I think the two-party preferred democracy with the donkeys and the elephants, you know, de- Democrats and Republics and the Liberals and the Labors, like 
yeah, I, I, I'm disenfranchised with the current democratic process at the moment. All right, let's 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 look at that, man. Let's look at autocracy, which is something that we see in um, you know uh, China and Russia, for example, and let's have a look at um, like the other side of the coin, which is um, the the two party system or the three party system or the ten one or whatever the fuck it is. Okay, so we'll go with um, our one first. Uh, you elect a you elect a leader. You elect a party. You that, that's that's the democratic way, um, and then they they basically lead the country or they rule the country. Do any of the policies change? Nah. Do any of the legislations change? Nah. Is there any law reform? Nah. We basically just fucking go in there, vote, and then everything just stays exactly the same for the next fucking fifty or so years because the plan has already been set in place. You're just going out there and doing a fucking ritual. That's the way that well, I think that's what you're trying to say. Um, let's let's look at the autocracy though. All right. So one leader for um, a certain amount of time. Just remember too that in a democratically elected country such as Angela Merkel, she was in charge of, that, of Germany for 18 fucking years, man. She, she held the chancellery. By the way, a fun fact about her, she was a communist, the communist youth uh, club or whatever it was in uh, East Germany. In fact, uh, there was, there's, just, uh, there's just speculation about this that uh, her and Vladimir Putin worked in the same building. So, um, yeah, there's your, there's, your, there's your fucking socialist Democrat, I think, that you want to call him. Um, but, um, look, uh, with, with regards to autocracy, um, there's one ruler, and, but there's reform, all right? So the people want the fucking reform. They, they want certain aspects in their social uh, lives and all that sort of stuff. So they, they go in and they fucking change it. Or they change it enough so it moves the goalpost in their favour, but also makes the people think that they've done it for them, which is which is great. All right, so there, there, there you go. But mate, if I can continue on with uh, democracy promotion from their side of the house, all right. So I'm going to go now into the the worlds that the Westerners maybe don't understand. Okay, I'm going to go into the world of the Chinese, the Russians, the Iranians, the North Koreans, the fucking whatever. Okay, when we do democracy promotion. We usually go, yep, the media comes out with a whole heap of shit and you'll hear these fucking nice little buzzwords. They go, uh, war crimes, war criminal. They'll say, um, dictator, freedom, democracy. D- does this sound familiar to you? And then what yeah, happens? Yeah, the lead up to most conflicts for the last 20 years, mate. Exactly, man. And then what happens when we promote that democracy? We come to somebody's fucking door with 100,000 tons or even more, 200 or 500,000 tons of missiles and bombs and we go, you're going to accept this. And then that's, that's how it is. Or- um, Yeah, have some we'll, freedom rockets. Yeah, or <laughs> freedom rockets. Um, or we'll undermine a, um, a society through uh, funneling of uh, uh, um, arms and also money to uh, uh, to enact color revolutions, which is what we're going to talk about when it comes to Ukraine at the moment. Mate, let's do it then. Let's get into it. All right. So we've covered off on NATO expansion. So just remember the two, there is two differences between um, NATO and the European Union. European Union, um, that's an economy. That's an economic system. NATO is a militarist, mil- militaristic system. Okay, that's that, that's the difference. Okay, have they used each other to? to so are you that? are you in? Are you pro European Union? Do you think the European Union has validity, mate? Um, I think I think 
There is certain parts of the European Union that I do like, just like any other system on this planet. And then there's other ones that I don't like, man. Um, I don't like how they tell you, if you're going to join the European Union, you must do this. Stop selling cigarettes to kids. No, you can't fucking sell alcohol to, you know, to children anymore. You, you can't continue on with your fucking culture. Globalism is the way. You've got to accept this and then we'll fucking put you into the system. And it's like, well... Does that go along with our culture? Not really. Doesn't really matter. We need economic support. We're going to fucking join. But the thing that they don't really realize is when you do join the European Union, they want their tax. All right. So the European Union isn't just going to fucking exist. Okay. It's, it, 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 there's, there's a reason for it. So now you've basically told your people that we've got to pay to, 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 to be in this membership. Um, that's what I don't like about it, mate. Um, the things that I do like about it, yes, economic stability. That's important for every single last one of us on the planet, man. Um, and, you know, social security as well. That is also important for all of us on the planet. Um, um, there is good and then there's bad, just like with everything. Um, and that, But that's just my perspective, man. Like, you know, you might have a completely different one. Um, so let's talk about this expansion eastwards with the European Union um, as opposed to so NATO's got to stop, right? They, like, they've got to. If there's no threat, why have we created one? And when I talk about this, we spoke about this the other day. Um, Afghan finished up. That was a NATO conflict, right? How many countries in the world participated in Afghanistan? Fifty something. I mean, so there's a hundred. We spoke about this. Sorry, mate. Um, there's 190 countries on the planet that have, or 195 that are recognized by the United Nations Security Council. 45 of them were in Afghanistan and we lost. That's the fucking shit. Yeah. Okay, we lost at the end of the day. We, we, we didn't win, okay? But now we're judging, well, we're sitting there judging the Russian soldiers and we're judging the Ukrainian soldiers that they're both sides are doing either a really good job or a fucking really shit one without actually being reflective and looking into ourselves, mate. You know, but we'll we'll get can we just we'll get to that part. Can we go? Can we go into yep. Ukraine, mate? Is that all right? Like right yeah, now. Go. Yeah, go. Let's do it. Get in there. Okay. Yep. Um, so um, the thing that, that that people have to understand is that um, why this is uh, why this is uh, all sparked up within the last eight years is um, in in November of two thousand and thirteen um, there was there was a vote um, or, or basically a referendum for um, to see whether uh, Ukraine was going to join the EU or was it going to remain with Russia, okay? Now, the European Union being the European Union told President Yanukovych at the time, who was the, who was the president and who was actually quite sympathetic to, to the Russians because he knows how many of them live inside his country, um, that he was happy to do both. He was happy to be the buffer state that Vladimir Putin wants Ukraine to be at the moment. So he wants, uh, you know, he wants to be good with the Russians and he wants good to be good with the European Union. Russia didn't mind. They didn't give a shit. They were like, yeah, fine. We are too. That's fantastic. We're just not part of that economic pact. Um, uh, unfortunately, um, the, the, um, it didn't work out very well in his favor. Most like the, the it was, it, it was pretty on parity, I think, with the vote. I don't, I'm not too sure about that one, but um, the Russians, obviously, the Russians living in the country didn't want to be part of the European Union. Um, the, the, the Ukrainians obviously did. And instead of just like settling it with, with a vote and waiting for the fucking turnout and all that sort of shit, well, you know, Yanukovych basically said, 
Uh, Russians are giving us $15 billion. This is going to be fantastic. You know, we're going to fucking build infrastructure. I can take a lot of money home. This is going to be fucking sick. Whereas European Union didn't guarantee anything until reforms happened inside of their country to bring them more in line with European Union standards. All right. So Yanukovych went with the Russians. Um, the Maidan protest or the Orange Revolution um, uh, turned into a, a, a bloody scale uh, thing. And it lasted months. Like they, they protested and killed each other for fucking months. And it was actually quite bloody. I think it was like, they, they said it was like 60 people died. I reckon it was more than that. You know what I mean? Like with all the, like the Yanukovych's um, response was was actually quite fucking bad. He sent in the, like, you know, the the, the special police and he sent in the police and the, like, you know, then there was fucking carnage out on the streets, right? Um, where did this color revolution run from? What is the footage from? you see of, of guys... What do you see of the footage of guys walking along like the old Roman tortoise formation um, with pieces of tin and shit and, and they're, they're, they're trying to crouch up and they're getting shot out of the circle? Was that, was that the Orange Revolution or? I don't know, man. I've, I've actually never seen that footage. That, that's actually really interesting. But we, you know, you've got to ask oh, yourself. It's brilliant, mate. Oh, my. Yeah. I've got to have a look. Um, you've got to ask yourself, though, where does – like, how does a social construct actually fall apart? This is the why. This is the critical thinking part of it. Why does it, like, why does a social construct fall apart? Why does a government fall apart? Where do people get their motivation to take on their government? Where do people get the tools, and I'm talking about weaponry, to take on their fucking government, right? This has to come from somewhere. Where does the money come from to fund fucking Syrian rebels? Where does, you know, nobody fights for free. I can only civvies think that. At the end of the day, if you're not going to fucking pay me or give me some kind of incentive like land or whatever, like if you're back in the Roman Empire, you're going to be a fucking Roman soldier. It's like if you're not going to give me fucking land and shit, well, you're just taking me for a fucking ride, aren't you? you know, I can't cultivate my own shit. I'm just going to fucking fight for you and maybe die and then I'll come back and have nothing. You know. But color revolutions, um, what I want you to do at home, and I'm not going to go too far into it, is uh, research the Arab Spring in, um, in Syria. And then uh, uh, superimpose that onto Ukraine. And I think that you're going to start to find some of your answers in, inside all of that. Okay, we'll get into Syria a little bit later. Um, just, just a brief overview, because that is, is also very important strategically to what's going on at the moment. Um, but anyway, um, they had their color revolution. Eventually, the protesters won. Um, they, they took over their, their, their actual democratically elected government of Yanukovych. He, flew, he fled to Russia. He didn't stay anymore. Um, and then they, you know, uh, uh, an, another election was uh, proposed for May of the same year when Petro Poroshenko was elected as president of Ukraine. Um, and that's, that's basically when all the reforms really started. You know, you can't really speak, you can't teach the Russian language at school anymore, all this other stuff. And like ethnic ethnic tensions and stuff but they rise man you know like they, you fucking people get pissed off about their culture like that because you got to understand that russians over thousands of years have bled for their country it doesn't matter whether it was internal conflict or external conflict and this goes for every single european nation that it's been fucking stained in blood now it might not be taught in schools because they're trying to get you to fucking forget that history but word of mouth is so fucking powerful, and I'm going to utilize um, a, a bit of a a bit of an analogy here. Think about the story of the boy who cried wolf, right? Um, you know, what, the center of gravity in that is don't lie. 
Otherwise, people aren't going to believe you when something fucking serious goes on. Do you think the boy existed? Do we even know? No. Nah. Do we know that the wolf existed? Fucking no. What about the villagers? We don't even know that. That, that story is not fucking written anywhere, but it's spread all across the world as a metaphor. Okay, that's the important thing. Okay, I'm, I'm going fucking off track here. I'm sorry. But yeah, word of mouth through like um, cultural, cultural division, cultural strife, you know, people's plight is going to get passed down from like grandparent to, you know, to, to grandchild, from father to son to daughter to fucking everything. And they're going to continue on that. So then they don't want like the execution of their people because they can see it. Um, you know, um, you can see the parody um, here in Australia when we when uh, people were demonstrating against the lockdowns, and particularly Melbourne and Sydney. You saw a lot of different flags being raised up, didn't you? It wasn't just Australian flags. It was fucking Polish. It was, you know, French. There was all sorts of shit going on. Now, it was like, why did those people protest so hard? Why did they care? Um, well, they cared because the same thing that they escaped from in their parts of the world, um, like this autocracy, um, the, the, the sailing signs of, you know, um, uh, you know, authoritarianism is happening to them all over again. And they don't fucking want that. And that's exactly what the Russians have seen in Ukraine. It's happening all over again through word of mouth, obviously. They don't teach at a fucking school in history class. So that, that's why um, there was a response. Now, all right. Oh, fuck. Sorry, mate. Um, do you have anything to add on that? Or no, um, I think that there's there's a, there's a fair amount of your culture. It is ingrained culturally. Absolutely, you cannot. You you have to exterminate that or dig that out. Julius Caesar, he didn't. He did that when he took over towns. Now we used to celebrate him as as quite a good leader and. Uh, when he took over a town, he'd kill every male and throw all the kids off the ramparts, mate. Like yep. he's like, because I don't want to come back and fight another generation of people. It's like it is ingrained in us. Genetic memory is a proven scientific fact, um, and this cultural heritage, uh, which which all ties into these pretend borders that we've made up around what is Ukraine and what is Damascus and 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 the other rebel um, territories of, of of Russia or Ukraine, depending on how you want to spin it. Yeah, uh, LPR and DPR. And people have been, the European European countries, Europeans have been fighting since fighting began, since Homo, well, Homo sapiens moved out of Africa into Europe and started fighting Neanderthals. From that point, we have been fighting and dying. It is ingrained in natural human evolution and everyone's like no it doesn't happen it's been happening for three hundred thousand years yep. we have been killing and murdering people on the european continent since time began yeah, exactly. and we've done that through the middle east as well yep and and all nations man i don't care who the fuck said like there's there's this big victim put at the moment it's like oh we've suffered so much and fucking look at me i'm such a you know a, a victim and all this other shit fucking bullshit you open the door to any room inside of your house all right there'll be somebody like you know there's a nation everywhere across the planet who has suffered at the hands of themselves or of somebody else that is a known fact you, you can't distort history yep. to to be any other way you know um that that's just how it is 
um, unfortunately. That's, that, that, is, that is in our nature, not to destroy one another, but to take, to grab, to, you know, mate, I'm, I'm going to go back to the Bible on this one. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people will fucking be like, oh, shit, no. Um, if you actually read the Bible, um, and I only picked it up like probably about a, fucking eight months ago or something, and I read it. Um, there is more philosophy in the fucking Bible than what I've seen anywhere else. Um, absolutely. And in the first, the, the first chapter of Genesis, right? Um, uh, Jordan Peterson actually talks about this. Um, God wasn't going to do anything for us because we, we fucking betrayed him. Um, and that's why he cast us out of paradise and left us to our own free will, you know? So, um, like, where, where are we going with all this? I completely forgot now. Yeah, go. No, mate, absolutely. This is we were talking about free will, and and it's all tied into boundaries and and, and conflict and ethnic groups. Um, yeah. We, you know, the the Orange Revolution uh, was was where we we left it before we digressed. <laughs> oh, we fucking we we went down somewhere else completely. Um, okay, oh, uh, mate, that's why I love these long form podcasts. They're brilliant, yeah. are they? <laughs> um, okay, um, okay, where were we? So Yanukovych fled. In, uh, in 2014, Petro Poroshenko became uh, the president of that country, started doing reforms um, to appease the people. Uh, Russians obviously got pissed off with this. They took up arms. They, were, they, they started getting killed by their military, also the Ukrainian militia. Um, and they were basically pushed back all the way to the, the border. Um, now, um, let's, let's talk. So we talked about Crimea. Let's talk about the Minsk agreement itself. Okay. Remember, this is the, the, the contrast to New South Wales when we went to Singapore and we, you know, we had a, a series of discussions um, on how we're all going to live in peace and unity, which is fucking how we're supposed to live or everybody says that we are anyway. Um, so um, after the Minsk agreement, they shook hands. Everything was fucking hunky dory and um, they, they continued on. Um, there was more shelling of fucking civilian areas. I'm sorry. So the the Minsk agreement. Um, sorry, can we rehash that uh, from the the actual perspective that it was? This was this was after the Ukrainian two thousand eight esque Crimea annex. No, it's the the Crimea annex happened in two thousand fourteen. Exactly the same, or just a little bit after the um, the the Orange Revolution itself. Um, that that's, yep. that's 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 sorry, mate. I, I'll probably lost you. Um, so that that's when that happened. Now um, we're, we're talking. What you're saying is is the actual republics that are in the east of the country. So the Donetsk, Donetsk People's Republic and then the Lugansk People's Republic, and that's the ones that Russia just recently recognised before they started their special operation in Ukraine. Um, and so it was basically the, the head of the, the DPR, the Donetsk People's Republic or Donbass region, um, that went to Minsk and it was brokered by Russia. Minsk is in fucking Belarus, if you didn't know that. All right. <laughs> That's just for all of you guys out there. Um, and Including they, they brokered, me, yep. brokered the deal with the, with the, with the Kievan government and also, uh, with the DPR to say, Hey, that is enough. Okay. We've taken this way too far. People are dying, all this other shit. Yep. Well, okay. Let's go. Let's respect it now. And obviously it's not respected just like with all fucking ceasefires, man. Funny story. You know what I mean? Like North Korea and South Korea, that's still a fucking stalemate that nobody actually won that war. That's why they keep fucking going at each other all the time. Um, 
you know, that, that war hasn't been won. It's just literally just, a, just they, they had this fucking agreement. It didn't work. The Russians, the Russian side blamed the Ukrainians for continuing their operation. You can actually, there is a great documentary on YouTube um, all about the anti-terrorist organization, uh, oh, sorry, organization, operation that's from the Ukrainian side. It's basically completely biased. It goes for like 25 parts. It's absolutely fucking fantastic for your information. Um, and, I, and I want people out there to actually watch it and see um, and, and decide for themselves. You don't have to support either side. You can be fucking neutral, whatever. Here we are just stating the facts. But what I'm saying is, um, if you watch some, if you watch anything, watch that. Um, it's really informative and really, really good. Um, so, um, anyway, the, you know, the Russians blame the Ukrainians. So, the, so this this Minsk agreement is yep. is saying that hey. There's these Australians in New South Wales, and China is literally shelling and killing people. Yeah, can we can we stop? Yeah, can we exactly. actually bloody stop? Yeah. you you said you would. Everyone said they would. You're still shelling. The international community sort of getting involved. Let's have a big chat because enough's enough. Yeah, that's 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 exactly right, man. Um, they said enough's enough, and everybody fucking agreed to it, but. Nobody stayed to their word. Each side ended up blaming uh, each other. Like, you know, the, the rebels were doing, incur or the separatists were doing incursions onto military, uh, Ukrainian military, killing their soldiers. You know, their soldiers were shelling fucking, you know, um, civilians in their towns and, you know, um, nobody can live in those fucking close to those buffer zones. There's, you know, there's all of this hype. There's, there's, there's an, an unbelievable amount of hype um, in all of this. Um, now, um, I think I'll, 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 I'll bring you back for a second. Man. In 2007, Vladimir Putin did a speech uh, in the Munich summit um, to all of the world leaders. You can watch it on YouTube. It's actually quite good. Um, and he warned of exactly this process that we've undertaken that's going to fucking absolutely piss them off. Um, and they are so pissed off now. Um, and um, so basically what ended up occurring was um, it, to, to this day, um, in this time now, um, the, the, uh, you know, there was all that fucking hype on, on TV and it took me by surprise as well. Cause I never thought that the Russians were going to do this. Um, it, it, that absolute hype on TV, they were like, Oh, the Russians are going to invade. The Russians are going to invade. The Russians are going to invade. This has been happening for three fucking years. They do all these major exercises once in like December or whenever it is. And then they stay there for a little bit and then they come back to their homes. And I'm like, nah, there's no way that this is going to happen. So on that, Thursday, I think the 24th of February, I was taken completely by fucking surprise. But we've got to understand that, you know, with, with the illegal side of the war, and it is illegal, you can't go to war, countries can't go to war unless there's a UN resolution that says that it can go to war. Hence why the, the Russians took over in Syria and bombed Islamic State. They bombed them back into the fucking Stone Age, right? Um, because there was a UN resolution. Assad's government asked the UN to bring the Russians into the war. They said yes, and then that was it. It was sanctioned, right? The war in Ukraine is not sanctioned. It's, a, it's an illegal war, all right? That's why they're calling it a special operation, I guess, um, for, for so many better terms. Um, and the Russian response has been proportionate. We can't disagree with that. We saw the same fucking thing happen in Georgia. We saw the same thing happen in uh, Chechnya as well. Um, this is the way that they operate. You know, you push them far enough and they're going to retaliate. That's like with anybody, like just you and me as individuals, you know, we don't let somebody fucking push us around to the point that we, there's nothing we can do about it and we walk away, you know, 
or there, something is going, we're going to respond. Um, and, and that's exactly what they've done now. They've responded. And now the whole world's fucking listening. And this is exactly what Vladimir Putin didn't want. This is bad for us, okay, as well, because um, of, of the economic side of the house. Um, but, um, yeah, mate, do you, do you have anything to add on that before we move on? No, mate, no, no. Okay. Um, so, um, uh, okay, let's, let's talk about some fucking myths that we've, that, we've, that we've noticed during this conflict right now at the moment, okay? What have we seen, man? We've seen a lot of misinformation by the media, um, a lot of bias, like one-sided. I do not believe that the news or any news network out there, channel, should be biased in any kind of opinion. They're there to state the facts and that is it. They should not be biased, man. They're leading you into something, okay? And the way that they do that is they use those fucking buzzwords again, like civilian deaths, civilian casualties, look at the children, look at fucking this, look at that. It's like, well, where were you in the Iraq invasion? Where were you? No, fucking nowhere to be seen. It's somehow it's justified when we do something but when somebody else does exactly the same thing, they fucking know international condemnation. That is hypocrisy. Any soldier that's out there right now and listening to this, they'll be like, I'll put it into your terms. It's called double standards. And we fucking hated that from our leadership. Absolutely hated it. Okay. And that's what the pretext of what the Russians are doing anymore. They're like, well, if you're going to do it, if you're going to promote your fucking democracy and if you're going to, you know, come with missiles and bombs and invade countries and, you know, um, undermine the next seven. So there's bloody coups and they're fucking conflicts and they, they're fucked now, you know, like, why can't we do it? Why not? Ask yourself the question, why can't you do it? You know, what makes us so righteous and for them to be wrong? What makes us moral, morally higher than what they are? You know, there, there really isn't. We're, we're one in the same at the end of the day. And we took part in that hypocrisy. Is the Russian media controlled by the Russian media controlled or is it private enterprise uh it's uh, so uh, i believe it's russia today is is in fact controlled um by 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 their government um i don't know about sputnik i'm not too sure i mean like there's got to be independent um carriers out there that would that would that would talk about certain aspects and things and whatever else um um whilst we're on that too um you know everybody's fucking getting up in arms about you know these uh, these protesters getting arrested in Russia because they're protesting against the war which is well within their right I'll, I'll fucking 100% believe that if they don't believe in the war why sh- why shouldn't they why should they keep fucking quiet but the reason why they're getting arrested is not because they they're anti-war the reason why they're getting arrested is because it's illegal to protest in Russia without a permit and, yeah, uh, but this is this is my and, and hopefully I can articulate this particularly. Yeah. Okay, so let's say that Russia has gone to war in Ukraine, than they have, yeah. and it's completely uncalled for, and it's completely uncalled for, and we all know that. You know, you can take analogies to a pub fight, and you watch a dude just knock, just king hit someone for no reason. Yeah, everybody in that pub is is gonna fucking lynch this dude. Yeah. And then we, 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 we move that to the Ukrainian conflict and the war, the special operation. Russia is invading a country. Now, the West is kicking up a little bit of a stink, like are we going to sanction you? But we're not – look, uh, 
I think they've got a part to play. They've got a guilty conscience, mate. And I that this for me, Uncle Tony, as a layman, not a strategic analyst, when you have to look at look at these particular aspects and you go, why isn't NATO getting involved? Well, okay, it's not a, Ukraine's not a NATO country. No, but it's the fucking if they were the bad guys, if Russia was really the bad guys in this conflict and they had no reason to invade, surely we'd just all get together and go, let's just fucking go and do the dishes like we've got to go and do it. Yeah. Um, but there's so- not. It is this piecemeal, like, yep, we kind of poked the bear and now we're getting a smack on the bum and everyone's got a guilty conscience, mate. Otherwise, we would go in. So... Uh, th- this is this is this is why like actions speak louder than words, mate. If we really didn't agree with what Russia was doing, we'd put a stop to it. And it was like we're going to put sanctions on it. The only people those sanctions are hurting at the moment it seems like Westerners, mate. Yeah, rich billionaire Russian oligarchs. Cool. You had thirty billion. Now you've got ten billion. Still ten billion, mate. It's not bad. Yep. Um, everyday mum and dad Australians that are they've gone from, you know. 89 cents at the Bowser to 220 to $3 by the end of the week. Yep. I'm just, I'm perplexed at if we're really going to get into this, let's go and do it. Uh, and if not, we'll stay the fuck out of it, mate. Yeah, mate. Um, look, man, I, I completely agree with you. The only the only thing that sanctions really hurt is is the lower guys like the the, the the average working people like us mate that's that's all that are really that that's it you know um they they've cut that swift system out, out of russia you know like people can't send their families money you know like all, all this other stuff which is swift is just a, a messaging service if nobody knows so it's basically like osco here in australia it's just it, it just delivers money from one bank account to the next that's it you know um um look I, I don't like this conflict, man. I, I fucking don't. I think that the, we've pissed the Russians off so much now that they will never fucking come back to us ever again. We've basically just thrown them straight into China's arms. We need we needed Russia. We needed Russia against Iran so they could keep fucking economic sanctions on them. We needed we need them against North Korea. We need them against um, the the rebels in Syria. We need them against china um and if we were just friendly to them because they were friendly at the, at the fall of the soviet union they fucking made heaps of reforms inside their country they wanted to move to a democratic system and if we had them on our side imagine that the west and russia now you think that this situation is bad currently in a conflict you just fucking wait and it's only a matter of time before china goes yep we're stepping into the threshold because they're just watching this situation and going, how has the West attacked um, their economic stability? What are they going to do about it? How, is, how has Russia recovered from this? What are they doing from their people? They're just fucking learning, mate. You know, um, and that's, that's, that's a, you, you think that we're going to have, you think that we're in a nightmare right now? We're going to have a fucking catastrophe when they step over that LD. Um, absolute catastrophe. And we needed the Russians for that. Um, I'm just going to say that. Do you think, um, I mean, is this Russian peace? Were they always in bed? I mean, we spoke about, I mean, th- there's some, some pacts going on yep. uh, between India, Russia, and China. Yeah. 
Um, what you're is this something that that, that that go? Oh yeah. Um, um, what you're talking about there is something called the Shanghai Pact, um, and it's basically an an economic uh, like a European Union. It's a, it's a, it's basically an economic pact um, between China, Russia, India. I think it was Pakistan as well. I'm not too sure. Um, and then there's other observers like uh, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan. I think Kazakhstan might be in it. I'm not look. I, I'm not going to like. You can research this shit at home if you want. It was formed in 2001, um, and um, basically it was it was a, a system that was going to cover the economic expanse of about 60% of the geographical world, 40% of its population, and 20% of the world's GDP. Okay. Now with this Ukraine thing that's happening at the moment. Everybody's starting to trade with Russia in rubles. Okay, that's the national currency for the Russians. Okay, um, and what I think is the out the the fallout from this is going to be. This is just my perspective of things that have happened historically that are leading up to this point. And you may remember the last time that Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin met, they actually said that they want to form a currency that is outside of trade with the U.S. dollar. Okay. So they want to, They want their own currency, so then they can trade in that currency, so then no one can put economic sanctions on them anymore. Do you understand what I mean by that? Um, and I think that this Ukrainian conflict is going to tip that into the next fucking wave. And then you think that we got economic fucking problems now with fuel prices being up and all this other shit, and like the wheat prices are going to go high because, funnily enough, Russia is a fucking large exporter of wheat, natural gas to Europe. Uh, precious metals, coal, all of this shit is just going to go through the fucking roof. You think we got problems now? Wait till they fucking invent their own currency. Holy shit, we're going to have fucking problems then. Because now it's not a unipolar world, it's a multipolar world, at least economically. And then we're going to be absolutely fucking up shit's creek without a paddle. Everything is going to go through the roof. Like even the room that you're sitting in currently and where I'm sitting in currently, you can look around and see how much shit is fucking made in China. In fact, this MacBook Air is made in China. All right. And they're just going to fucking slap higher prices on that. We won't have a choice but to pay it because there's nobody else that's making it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a scary thought where where the world's going to go. Uh, is, is Russia really, uh, I mean, I know that, They've communist party to communist party. We, we've always drawn a correlation between the um, well, the two two countries helping each other. Yeah. Do you think that they were growing apart, Russia China, or is this something that has galvanised? I mean, I know you spoke about it. Russia's going to jump in bed with China, maybe. Um, do you think we had a chance at if NATO wasn't so? expansionist that we had a chance of bringing them into the fold uh and and is it now russia and china versus the world um well like i like i said earlier i I don't think that there should have been a nato um in 1991 in fact 1989 i think nato should have just ceased to exist uh completely and they should have started to think about forming and you know i hate i hate you know, parroting uh, Emmanuel Macron, but he wanted a European army. And I think that that would have been fantastic because that, that j- just calling it something different and then having it under a different organization wipes the slate clean completely. So now you've got a European army with Russia in it, with all the other European nations in it, 
that puts an even larger stranglehold on China as well. But now you've got the Russians who are absolutely going to trade with the Chinese and who knows, it's probably going to be fucking free trade now too, which is going to be fucking shithouse for us. Just remember that China has 1.4 billion people in it. Europe has like a billion and something or some shit. That's like between all the countries, one country is fucking holding one eighth of the world's population just within it. Like, you know, um, there's plenty of, yeah, sorry, go. No, <laughs> nothing, huh? No, okay. mate. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, look, if you ask me what we should be doing, all right, is I think, look, being called insane in an insane world, I think that they should fucking take that as a compliment. If somebody calls you normal, I think that you've got a fucking serious issue, all right? Because look what we're doing to each other. Look what we've done to each other. Look at the fucking, you know, look, look at all of the stuff that we've been doing to each other just for the last 30 years. That's within our generation. We can see that. Um, so it's absolute in insanity, man. But the only way to really end this, the only way to end is if we go Russian, Russian delegation, Western delegation, and Ukrainian somewhere in the middle, and then we fucking they just meet up somewhere and they actually hold peace talks, man. Actual fucking peace talks instead of continuing to fund people to kill each other. All right. Yeah, I do understand the West. Proxy wars. Uh, sorry, mate. Proxy wars, mate. We've been yeah. doing this consistently, haven't we? Yeah, exactly right. So man. where do you see this going? I mean, uh, Poland's now put planes into, well, are they saying they might allow NATO to launch planes off Polish airfields into Russia? No. Why haven't we seen why haven't we seen the Russian Air Force get involved? Why are we seeing Russian tanks running out of fuel? Can we start to dispel, or could you? And and you did quite, you, you, mate. It was it was a bit mind blowing. I've done a little bit of research after our conversations. Yeah. Can you dispel some of the Western propaganda um, that we all sort of privy to? I mean, come on, mate. It, it, it is literally on the TV five hours a day, every day, twenty four hour news cycle. Yeah. Um, the Russians are running out of fuel. They're getting lost. Um, they're surrendering. They're capitulating. Um, where's the air force? Why are they going to launch all this stuff? What's what's your what's your take on it? So, um, it, it planes aren't going to go to Poland, um, be launched from Poland because if they did that, that's a declaration of war on right. Like Russia, will fucking just like they'll be pissed about that, you know, because you can't launch planes from another country to bomb another fucking country that's supposed to be neutral. Like, you, you've just joined the war. That's what you've done. Regardless of what, whose country's pilots you're using, you be fucking Ukrainians, it doesn't matter. You could be using fucking Armenians, it doesn't matter. Um, it's the same shit. Um, that's, that's, not, that's not what's happening. What they want to do is get Polish planes, MiG-29s, to, um, to Germany and then export them into, into the Ukraine. All right? Now... The United States at first, like the media came out and said the United States had this brilliant idea. But now the United States is condemning Poland for not asking the question if they could do it. I'm just like, what? I've got to delve into that a little bit more. I think it's still early days to find out at that point in time. Um, but as, as for your question about, you know, Russians running out of fucking uh, fuel and all that sort of stuff, well, mate, come on. We've, we've, 
We're, we're soldiers, man. You and I are fucking career soldiers. We've been there for a very, very long time. We know how the order structures work. We know that, you know, soldiers just don't appear out of nowhere. We know that we just don't, we don't fucking carry spare tires um, in our backpacks for like vehicles and shit. Like this is all what civilians think. Like, you and me don't. So let's analyze it. Let's analyze um, some of the truths and let's, um, let, let's, Let's disparage some of those fucking lies, right? So essentially, the first part of this was um, Russia sent in conscripts um, to, to and, and they sent them in with without any knowledge that they were actually going to be fighting a war. Well, kind of, mate, come on, like, you got to kind of think about it. If you get fucking issued live ammo, which is going to go bang at the other end, right, and kill somebody, wouldn't you fucking think, like, why are we going into, like, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Like, that you... You, you can't have your fucking head up your ass. Even the young digger is going to be like, we're, we're fucking going in. Like, this is serious. Um, Russia is actually going to investigate um, why the conscripts were sent in in the first place. Now, they say it's going to be an internal investigation. Of course it is. I think that they sent in the conscripts first to find out what the Western response was going to be without actually sending in their main force first, which is a fucking smart idea at the end of the day. Now, as for... Um, as for Russians getting lost, right? Yeah, they probably are fucking getting lost because they've been told, you know, and we've been told it heaps of time, austerity, fellas, austerity, austerity, that fucking word, it just shit all of us up the wall. But um, I reckon that they've been told not to use GPS. And the reason for that is because I, I believe that they don't want NATO satellites to be able to pinpoint Russian positions on the ground. So yeah, dudes are gonna get fucking lost. Yeah, I've fucking got lost before. All of us have, I'm pretty sure. And that's, you know, you've got to be reflective. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. I think most boys with a GPS these days would get lost, especially with the friction of being in a contact, moving through a hostile country. Yep. There's a little bit more involved in your plate. Now, yep. um, we know that we know that GPS is shop-bought Garmin wrist rockets. Um, they are susceptible to satellite jamming so that they can, they can put your positions off by hundreds of meters if not kilometers the yeah. little garmin you know every soldier's running around with them and you remember the old you remember the old woes like don't use your gps like uh, you need to know where you're at all times and we're like fuck off we're always going to have <laughs> gps well the only true gps that you can trust now is is the ones that are crypto like encrypted with crypto graphics from your 152s or from do you know, do you know like actual yep encrypted gps coordinates because people can fuck with every other gps uh, encryption code yeah yep. it makes sense man absolutely all right um we'll move on to the next one the russians are ru running out of fuel because their logistics system is so shit okay fair enough all right i understand um but you've got to remember two things here one there was 45 nato nations in afghanistan and we were well fed well armed well equipped well refueled because of that russia is running its own fucking operation here they're not getting help from anyone out there okay and look i'm no armored corps dude but i'm guessing that like a like a like a tank like a t80 i mean like you're a you're a fucking dfsw orders you'll be able to tell me this shit but um, a T-80 tank, a BMP, fucking doesn't matter what it is, um, runs out of fuel. Um, and, you know, our, our fucking Bushmasters as well run out of fuel. Um, and so does, you know, every, everything else that requires energy to run. Um, now, uh, I don't believe that their logistics system is that shit. I just think that operationally, keep it like, 
you know, keeping a tank fucking operational in such a demanding environment, mind you, there's militia moving around on the fucking flanks. There's, there's all sorts of shit going on over there at the moment. This is all out war. This isn't like chasing a bunch of ragtags for fucking villages in the green zone in Afghan. You know what I mean? Like this is fucking real shit. You know, um, it, it, it'll take a lot uh, to keep a tank operational because commanders don't give a fuck about your fuel. They don't give a like since when they fucked like, like that's up to your sergeant's job, mate. Like all your you know our RSM, we CSM. They're just like, no, I want you to fucking move here and secure that. It's like we don't have enough fuel. Fucking too bad, mate. We got to achieve the mission. Like do it. And it's like we're not going to get resupplied. Well, fucking who cares? Just hold the ground. You're just going to have to do it at the end of the day, and you just go and fucking do it. Um, the second thing that I want to point out is um, uh, var variables in humanity, man. So uh, essentially, I remember being out on a, a, a Hamel. And it, oh, fuck, this is a Hamel lorry, shit. Um, and uh, I asked, I had three Bushmasters. I was a fucking uh, mortarman. Um, surprising, I taught myself how to read. Um, you know, um, and I asked for 800 litres of fucking diesel fuel for the, for the Bushies, man. And whoever wrote it down in the fucking CP must have written it down wrong because the dude that came out to fucking resupply me only bought 80 litres out, you know? Like 80 litres for three fucking Bushmasters. Like, what the fuck is this going to do, man? You know? And I've got to keep comms right here. Keep that fuck. You know, we know what, what it takes, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I think that, you know, being being judgmental, like you have a look at the, the, the shit that's going on at the moment about civilians judging our defence force in the job that they're doing, that they're not even fucking trained for, mate. You know, um, where, where in your job description or where when you were in fucking Kapuka, Singo, going out on exercise, whatever it is, did you ever fucking do any of this like shoveling fucking dirt off people's driveways or fucking hitch and trail? Like, no, you didn't. You fucking prepared for war, mate. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, you know, and it's easy. Sorry, mate. One sec. easy for us to judge all of this but to be in that situation is a completely different story i'm not saying that they're doing a fantastic job i'm not doing i'm not saying that they're doing a shit job i'm just saying that we've got to have some understanding here you know it's easy just to fucking laugh at people but when it's our turn are we going to be the ones that laughed at who the fuck knows you know um the next one I think that you said was, why isn't Russia using its air force? Well, there could be a couple of reasons for this, and I'm only speculating here. I don't actually know. Um, one, it's because um, the threat of NATO, I mean, their biggest asset um, that they have in war fighting is its air power. We know this, okay? We've, we've seen it firsthand. Um, and the Russian Air Force, I think, by doctrine, utilizes uh, their air power or their, their fast jets for defensive purposes, and they use their bombers for uh, offensive purposes. Now, I think that they've held it in reserve, not because the Ukrainians are fucking like, you know, you know you're not going to take down a jet with a fucking man pad, mate. You know, like that doesn't happen. They'll just bomb your ass from fucking 30,000 feet. You won't even know what happened. You know, like that type of shit. Um, I honestly believe it's because they're worried about a NATO response. Um, and if, if, if NATO launches planes and then goes straight towards fucking Moscow, they've got no line of defense because they've already been using most of their stocks in Ukraine. Um, same thing as, as well, man. Um, we'll talk about, um, uh, you know, the ghost of Kiev. 
like, you know, that uh, apparently that fucking MiG-29 that's just fucking decimating the Russians, like shooting down 30 fucking planes a day and shit like that. All right, let, let's counter that one too. Um, first of all, how the fuck is this dude shooting down so many fucking aircraft? You know that aircraft require fucking technical support. They require a pilot, a dude to actually fucking rest. Um, they, they require fucking rearmament. They require refueling. Like, you know, how the fuck is this person achieving this? The, the only real fact that there is, is that pilot that flew from Ukraine into Romanian airspace and the Romanians guided him down to the ground. And then he was asked, why the fuck are you here? And he goes, I've got nowhere to land. There's nowhere to land in fucking Ukraine, man. It's, it's either all being destroyed. So, um, you know, and, you know, let's, whilst we're on that one, um, Snake Island or Serpent Island, as they call it, you know, apparently all those guys just fucking died valiantly. That was a load of shit. Saw the Russian footage. They're all got fucking care packages and whatever the fuck else. They surrendered. They left the island. That's it. Now they're in Russian custody. That's that's how it is. Um, let's talk about the, the human uh, variable in all of this. Like, the, I remember the first three days or so into this war. Mind you, the Russians have released a statement saying that um, this is going to take us up until about two weeks. Now that's blown out. And it, in fact, today, whilst we're doing this, it's actually blown out, um, but not significant. I don't think it's significant. The first three days, they were like, oh, they've, you know, they've given up steam. They can't keep fucking going. They can't do this. They can't do that. It's like, well, no, mate, because um, you, you think about our level of operations and what we do during our mission, mission focused tasks, uh, we only operate for about three days as well. And that's not because our equipment won't go for any longer or we're not going to get resupplied. We're, we operate on three days because you and I need to rest, man. We need to eat food. We absolutely, need to mate. Yeah. You're, you're ruined, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, you're absolutely fucking destroyed, especially after a long fucking hump or you've been in a vehicle for so long and all this other shit. And, you know, like I, I saw a news.com article and it said, uh, Russians are running out of time because spring is setting in and it's going to be impossible for them to move their track vehicles off off, uh, off sealed roads. It's like, well, I don't know if I, I should probably tell you this, but it's fucking snowing. Over, there's, still, there's still snow on the ground over there. We can see that from the combat footage. Um, you know, the, and what's under snow? Soft fucking, like, you know, there's hard ground if it's frozen, but then it's fucking soft ground because guess what? After the snow thaws, it, it's extremely wet. All right. I've come from a country where there fucking was snow and you're just constantly wet in the fucking snow. Like that's how it, that's how it was, you know. So I think they've taken that into consideration too. Um, you know, there's just a, like, the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is there's just so much fucking fluff that the Western media is coming out with. And I'm just like, this, this isn't anything. Like you're not giving me any information. There's nothing here. You're just giving me a fucking biased opinion. That's not what I want. That's not what you should be aiming for. That's not what anyone out there should be aiming for. Give me the cold, hard facts. Report the news exactly the way it's supposed to be with fucking facts. And then let me make up my own mind about what to think. Don't take me down the fucking emotional road of telling me what to think. That shits me. Yeah, sorry, go. So now that we've, I mean, the, the Western world has, I, I mean, we're a part of it. We fought for Australia. We, uh, I mean, I'm still a patriotic Australian, um, but I'm a critical thinking. And, and to be honest, I would have to be, unless the Russians are invading Australia, I would probably be sitting this bad boy out. Um, why, 
you you see this propaganda, like we have to vilify them so much and all these people are signing up and the protests that are happening. Like you see McDonald's has now decided that they're going to pull out of Russia. Um, after all that we've spoke about in the last two hours, is Russia the bad guy in this? Or are they subject to Russian propaganda? Like should they have done this? Uh, and... I suppose there was no peaceful resolution for this to happen. They spent 10 years trying to come, come up with a peaceful resolution. They've decided, hey, we're not putting missiles on four minutes away from, from here. Um, do you blame Westerners for... I mean, there's a lot of hate at the moment in, 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 in the Australian community mm -hmm. against Russian ethnic people. Yeah. Are, yeah. are Russians the bad guys? No. Or are we just now paying the, the, the are we just puppets of the, of the propaganda machine? Mate, uh, I can only reference myself because um, I, I only know my own life, but I grew up with Russians and Ukrainians. In fact, some of my, some of my friends were, for, were on both sides. They didn't hate each other. In fact, they spoke the same fucking language. Um, they, they basically the same culture, um, all this other stuff. No, I do not think that Australians should hate Russians um, they've never done anything to us. Um, and I honestly think that, you know, um, if, if, if the roles were reversed and the Russians were putting missiles um, or like the, bringing their military alliance or whatever into like Canada and Mexico um, to, to contain the United States of America, the United States of America would also have a response. Let's not forget the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, the, the United States put... Uh, medium to long range, I think it was missiles in Turkey. Um, and then the Russians responded by putting them in fucking Cuba. Now you remember that? They almost got the fucking world to a brink of absolute war. Now, you know. Well, that was, that was nearly the end of the Cold War and the start of a hot war, right? Yeah, exactly right, man. And like the world was absolutely on a brink of destruction. You and I wouldn't have known any different because we never would have existed. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah, but um, do I? Do well, I... that was that. Was that the Bay of Pigs, CIA operation with the Bay of Pigs and the Russian, the Cuban Missile Crisis? Um, like that, that was that was a that was the world teetering on World War Three, yeah. uh, because Russians had missiles close to. That is brilliant. That is that is the Russians put missiles on the doorstep of America, and yeah. now NATO, aka. The West is trying to do the same thing, and we're saying, "No, no, no, you can't do that." So, yeah, what would your advice be before we round this out to everyday Australians that are listening to this, and they go, "Sasha, what the fuck?" Like, yep, you've 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 brought up some good points. What do I do? Like, there's people getting murdered in Ukraine. Um, you know, everyone's telling me this. Like, what am I supposed to believe? Um, it doesn't matter what you believe. At the end of the day, you and I are not going to change this um, outcome and neither are they. No, no Australian out there is. Well, we should probably pressure our own politicians into coming up with some kind of solution to give concessions to both sides so then everybody is happy and there's a peaceful resolution and Ukrainians can return to their homes and so can the Russian soldiers and we can start doing business with the Russians again because we're going to fucking feel the hurt here. That is the only way out of this. More conflict equals more shit. Everybody's just doubling down at the moment. Nobody's revealing their fucking cards. And 
if it goes to if it goes to real big blows, man, it's only going to take one fucking military miscalculation, and all of this shit is over. I mean, and, you know, and the people that, that pay the prices, everyday Australians, right? It's yeah, not exactly. It's not prime minister, prime ministers aren't fixing bayonets, uh, presidents aren't fixing bayonets, congressmen. No. It's everyday people. Yeah, man, it's uh, it, it, it'll be you and me. Like you go have a look at the fucking Bowsers now. It's like two dollars, mate. And and you know they're so delusional. I mean, like I, I saw Biden the other day. I, before we just wrap it up, um, and and he was on TV and he's telling everyone to go fucking buy a Tesla. Who the fuck has like eighty to one hundred twenty grand just lying around to go buy a fucking another electric car? Like that's not a solution. All right, that's not a fucking solution. yeah, yeah. We're gonna and go and buy. I'm gonna go buy. And if I don't have the money, and this is what's annoying, is that if this thing kicks off and hyperinflation happens and 20% yeah. interest rates that we haven't seen since the 1980s and the recession we had to have and, and that, you go and buy a $120,000 brand new car and it's 6% variable interest rate and then this thing fucking kicks off big and yeah. that goes to 30% interest, yeah. you ain't paying that fucking thing off, mate. You're going to be in a bread line like the Russians after the USSR collapses, mate. Yeah, exactly, man. And you know, you know, it, it, it goes, it goes. I'm not, I'm not fucking biased against Biden. I really don't give a shit that he exists. But um, he had, he had, um, uh, he was, he was with his like little cronies and stuff like that. And this person asked him, he goes, "Hey, what are we going to do with the with the rising fuel prices?" This was in the United States, and he goes, "Blame Russia." It's like, okay, I'm blaming Russia. Now what do I do? Nothing. Suffer. That's it. Like that's 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 the end of. If you're gonna put economic, this is what I'm. This is my solution. All right. This is fucking politician Sasha. Right. Um, my solution is if you're going to put economic sanctions on a country that directly impact your economy, our own economy, then at least you should make some kind of. Um, how do I even concession? Put it? Yeah. Even the con- okay. Fine. We can put some kind of concession where like people won't have to pay. Like how about halving the GST rate? on all goods and services, or maybe um, not pay rates for a certain period of time, or, you know, um, how about giving an economic handout or something like that, you know, like, yes, Russian man, bad, fantastic. What are we doing about it? This, how is it impacting us? Fucking like this. And none of us like it, man. Absolutely none. I just go out there and speak to a person. The only people that this hyperinflation is fucking fantastic for is oil investors. That is it. The rest of us, are, like, they are sanction proof. You and me are fucked, you know? So that's, that's yeah. Mate, um, have you got any, uh, say, this, is, this has been an absolute, look, I hope people take this as perspective. Like, it is, it is just a little bit of, of history and, and geographical, uh, knowledge that maybe you don't get when you watch it. I'm going to put some stuff in the show notes so you can go and have a look at some of the links um, to do your own research. Uh, this has purely been um, just about a different perspective and critical thinking. Um, any safe rounds, Sasha? Before we uh, before we round this out, any topics you want to you want to finish this bad boy off with? Uh, okay, so there's. I just want to remind everybody that there's only two truths to life. One is birth. The other one is death. Everything else is a matter of perspective in between. Um, and no, I'm not sitting on the side of like, this might've sounded like that, like I'm pro-Russian or pro-Ukrainian. I'm not doing jack shit. 
um, to help any of those people. So I'm not fucking pro anything. I'm just the dude sitting here talking absolute shit, okay? Um, well, it's not absolute shit. I'm giving you factual information of how we actually got to this point, all right? So you gain understanding. Now, with understanding, just remember, okay, that or, or knowing and understanding, and I love this one. I learned this through the combat shooting world. Um, <clears throat> knowing is different to understanding. Knowing is that a tomato is in fact a fruit, but understanding is that it doesn't go in a fucking fruit salad. All right, that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> Mate, that's brilliant. Mate, oh, thanks you, for sorry. coming on. Yeah, uh, go on. Go, mate, go. Um, okay, with regard to our, to our own military helping out with DAC, um, I just want to remind everyone that in, the, in, in Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, okay, this is the last thing that I want to say. Um, he, he says in there, don't stop um, kids from skateboarding. And there's a reason for that. He goes, if you see kids skateboarding, they're grinding on fucking on, on handrails and they're doing jumps and all that. But he goes, don't stop them from doing that. And he goes, there's a very good reason why. Because competence reduces fear. Okay, there you go. Now, if we're going to be helping out with DAC all the time and all this other stuff and um, climatic responses and all this other shit, um, our military isn't training for uh, the real thing that they should be doing, and that's war, okay? We need that now more than ever. That's all I'm going to say about that. Mate, wise words. Um, thanks for coming on. We'll have to get you back on. Uh, brother, see if we can uh, keep breaking down this as it unfolds. Um, it's been brilliant, mate. Wow. I think we'll wrap it up, mate, and thank you. No, thank you for having me on, mate.